All right. Welcome, everybody. Post-Valentine's Day edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hope you had a wonderful time. I still got some uh, blue green, blueberry sour cream pie. I can't say it right because I was so excited when it appeared on the show yesterday. My lovely wife baked that, and uh, I'm still enjoying it. Anyway, I hope you had a great day. And we've got a great, great couple hours of broadcast healing today, including of the political variety. We've got Jonathan Emore joining me as he does each week at this time for the Sacred Fire of Liberty. Liberty has not been fully extinguished. The freedom that comes from God, not government, we will continue to acknowledge and extol the virtues therein and how to regain it, right? how to restore it. Jonathan joins me in just a moment. Uh, we also have uh, a, a second hour. We've been doing this more recently this week, you, me, and Super D kind of thing. So if you guys got questions or comments, we may have time in the second hour to answer them live on the air. Uh, this is the 15th of uh, February, 2024. We've got uh, uh, lead pipe crackdowns. And we're not talking MS-13 gang members carrying lead pipes. We're talking about the water delivered to your home. Microplastic invasion, that's Super Don's uh, new, uh, you know, passion to eliminate that. And uh, what are these strange obelisk-like life forms hiding in humans? And the homeopathic hit of the day, it's uh, people who can walk through walls like tanks. It's that remedy. If you don't know what that is, stick around. We'll get there, too. So stand by. The Robert Scott Bell Show continues or cranks it up right now with Jonathan E. Mord after this brief introduction. Right here, right now. Let's go, Super Don. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. Here's Robert Scott Bell. All right, let's crank it up for health, freedom, and healing liberty here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Sacred Fire of Liberty Edition. As we learn, uh, as Jonathan's on the campaign trail to become the next U.S. Senator from the Commonwealth of Virginia to replace Tim Kaine. He's heading to Norfolk, Virginia, or Norfolk, as they say locally, uh, for a big meeting this afternoon after the show. So we've got him on the phone line. Jonathan, uh, so good to, to hear you, even though I can't see you, to know that things are going strong out there on the trail and any stories to be told as you're heading to Norfolk, Virginia. Well, it's a really fantastic thing uh, to see the number of volunteers who are coming into the campaign every day. The events are really endless. You, you go from one event to the next event and uh, the reception, the response has been overwhelmingly positive everywhere we've gone. I'm telling you, Robert, I don't know about uh, other folks, but uh, at least in our quarter, this is extremely positive news. We've got this uh, event, we had this event yesterday on Valentine's Day uh, with the Republican women of uh, Virginia Beach. And um, wow, was that ever a spectacular thing. Overwhelming support, Robert. Uh, great questions from the audience and real interest in seeing change, uh, getting rid of the old corrupt politics of Tim Kaine and the Democrats and trying something new is really the order of the day. People are sick of it, Robert. They're sick of being abused by government. They're sick of the cost of government. They're sick of the inflation. They're sick of the crime, the open borders. I can't think of a more perfect storm 
to usher out Biden and his lackeys like Tim Kaine than this thing uh, that's happening to us as a result of big government. It gives me hope and confidence because I was asking myself, you know, how far does America have to drop into the abyss of socialism before there is a strong reaction to, to get rid of uh, socialism? And I hope that we wouldn't have been completely overwhelmed by it such that we would lose every vestige of the republic that remains. And I think that this election is going to be a major turning point in the right direction. I think people have had it and they're not willing to sit down and let it keep going. That's what killed the, you know, caused the Bolshevik revolution to succeed. It was that people just didn't have the gumption and energy, although in the majority they opposed the Bolsheviks, they just didn't get off the couch to go and fight. And I think the Americans are proving themselves to be different. I think Virginians are proving themselves to be different. I think people have been uh, allowing a lot of this to go and have been waiting for something to change, and it hasn't. And so now they're realizing that self-help is the only way, that we have to get involved and make a difference for our country and for our kids or else we'll lose everything. I, th I think Jonathan, that part of the, uh, the psychological operations by what I'd call the bad guys, the people that don't want America to succeed is to create this defeatist state of consciousness where the people feel that nothing yeah. they can do will matter. Right. And then they go and just do nothing. And, there are so many things that can be done, including what you're doing. And I don't recommend this for anybody. In fact, I didn't recommend it for you as we talked intensely about your call to do this because of, um, you know, your passionate belief in the, in this country and, and the goodness that it, it was uh, initiated to, to protect again, individual liberty rights from God, not government and your capacity to know what has gone wrong because you've, you've traveled through the court system and even defeated some of the most impossible to defeat government agencies successfully numerous times. And then you find out that even that is not enough. They ignore it. And then you say, well, what more can I do? And this is the answer in your case is I'm going to go into the U.S. Senate, meaning you, and uh, uh, muck things up for the Constitution, for the, the freedom of the people. And, uh, you know, I say muck it up, but I mean that for the bad guys, the oligarchy, et cetera, and also the people that might mean well, that don't know how to do this, even if they've been in Congress or the Senate for a long time because they've not seen what you have seen. They've not battled it the way you have. And where, whereas before we've had, occasionally a good guy or gal go in where we go, okay, they actually acknowledge the constitution. Very few know what to do with that uh, information and how to reactivate it is what I'm saying here. And so as you are on the campaign trail, I love hearing stories about how even within the Republican circles where you're at, there's cynicism. There's a lot of skepticism, but even cynicism. And then they hear you talk and suddenly they're like, Whoa, it's like, I, I talk about, what I've witnessed with you, you know, when you speak, it's like the spirit of the founding fathers comes through. This is why Ron Paul has endorsed you as well. Uh, do you have any recent interactions where people come up to you after you talk and say, I was just so surprised. I was blown away. I'm refreshed. You actually, you know, like we've said, people say you actually mean what you say. I can tell it's different. I love to hear things like that as you're out on the trail. Well, that's what we hear over and over again, Robert. We hear that in every single venue. And the, here's the reason. You know, I'm not a politician. 
and but I am a problem solver and people are accustomed, you know, when they say, oh, okay, here comes another one, right? And they get up there and they expect to hear you just mouth platitudes and say nothing and take 15 to 20 minutes to say nothing and uh, and and talk about ridiculous things that don't matter as, you know, to, in the big scheme of things. Um, so when you have someone who comes up and they give specific legislative solutions to the problems that are the most important problems that people face today, that strikes them as, oh my goodness, this guy's actually giving us details, telling us what the problem is, but giving us the solutions. So what I hear over and over and over again from folks is, okay, look, I'm for you. I didn't know there was somebody like you out there. Mm-hmm. And I hear that. I heard that uh, just with the Virginia Beach group. I heard the woman came up to me and she said, I, I never saw anyone in politics communicate like you have specific solutions to problems. And I, in the, the event that was before that, an, another one, another person came up to me and said, hey, listen, I'm going to support you 100%. And let me tell you why. Because I actually can see the solutions and, and what you articulated, making this country, saving this nation. And I'm all for it. And it's the only thing I can do. I've tried everything else. I've donated money to the party. I've donated money to specific candidates, all for naught. But what you're saying is exactly what I have been waiting to hear somebody say, which is specifically addressing the problems. I hear that over and over over again, Robert. Every time I speak, I hear that. And you know what? We're on some 60 or 70 different uh, venues I've spoken at. So somebody will say in one way or another that message. And uh, another very common thing that comes in the form of a question that I get is, okay, I like what you're going to do. I'm really excited. But is it is it possible if you get in there? Is there is it even possible because you're only one senator? Is it possible to do this? And I say to him. Well, you know, when I was 16, I worked for Ronald Reagan. I did that. I mean, I was campaigning for Ronald Reagan. And then when I was a little bit older, around 17, they had me come out to Washington and I worked as an intern and I learned, I got to be uh, able to work for Paul Weyrich, who was the head of the Free Congress Foundation, his designated person uh, on this group with, um, uh, what's his name? A uh, Charles or uh, yeah, Charles Z. Wick, who was the communications director for the transition team, and was intimately involved in creating the media and promotion for the Economic Recovery Tax Act. And what I learned is, you don't just throw a bill in the hopper; you campaign for it nationally. Uh, that's what I learned from Reagan. That's what I learned from Reagan's people. And when you do that and you let them know that when the bill's coming up and who their representative is and what they have to do to get it passed, when you have a good bill, they will support it. And that's how you get these things done and you fight for it. It's just a never ending battle. Yes, that is exactly what is so refreshing that you understand. It's not just about throwing stuff out there or having, you know, random bureaucrats behind the scenes write these things for the most part. To, to legislators that have no idea what they're putting forward 
much less voting on, which is a big part of this. And, you know, the simplicity with which like Ron Paul would throw these concepts out was almost, you know, too overwhelmingly straightforward that people you know almost couldn't handle it. They used to call him anachronistic and, you know, old fashioned. I'm like, you know, what's old fashioned about freedom? Right. That's a very new concept in the eyes of any government other than off. The well, you know, thing. I mean, there are certain people, they're 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 grandstanders in politics. They just stand, you know, they they speak, give a good speech, but they never do anything. And then there are the problem solvers. They're the Rand Pauls, the Ron Pauls. Uh, Dan Burton was a problem solver. And when you when you're a problem solver, when you mean business, you're there for a purpose, you mean to get it done, uh, you can achieve great things with that platform. And you just have to be willing to put everything, you know, into it and fight like the Dickens to get it. And you can win. And if you don't win, you'll lose magnificently, so magnificently that you can win later. That's what happened with my, you know, the, the Access to Medical Treatment Act. I wrote that for with uh, uh, Norm Singleton for R Ron Paul, and that was the precursor to the Right to Try Act. And that thing languished in committee and never got anywhere for 22 years. And then all of a sudden comes along Donald Trump and Rand Paul uh, introduces the, the bill to Donald Trump. He likes it. He speaks about it at his State of the Union, and then it becomes law and he signs it into law. Um, that, that's so the impossible. It becoming, just requires the fight. Yes, that, that's that, right. That, that, see, this is the thing about uh, it's very easy to fall into cynicism. And again, skepticism is healthy. I don't mean that people shouldn't be skeptical. We must be. And there's a healthiness to that. But uh, cynicism is defeatist. Uh, and we can un, we can justify cynicism because we've seen plenty of establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans say one thing and completely do the opposite. That ends up you know weakening America, destroying it to to its very core or weakening its core. And so I I am sympathetic to those people that feel that way, but I am also again an enthusiastic supporter of your specific campaign because I know you and have known you for decades now and have seen you in action in many ways. And we, we work side by side on many projects too, in addition to being on this show that as you point out, when people hear you speak, they're like suddenly like, Whoa, I didn't, I didn't know this was even possible <laughs> to have someone actually run it and have integrity and mean it. And all of those things, the energy that people are picking up on. So I'm asking folks around and, and they are, I know we've heard from many people and I've put some of them in touch with you directly when they hear you and what you're after, what you're doing, they say, wow, finally, I'm, I'm, I've found something that I can do something that I can do. So people that you, if you have the means with which you could support Jonathan in, directly and indirectly or volunteer on the ground in Virginia to gather signatures, this is still just as uh, you know, uh, we've seen the incumbents making it difficult for new people to get into office to challenge them. There is that everywhere on a national level, on a state level, local level. It's pretty standard and typical. So you have to overcome that initially. And that's where we are now still gathering thousands of signatures all over Virginia. How is it going? Is there any particular area we need to focus on and put the word out? Well, it is going very well, but this is the kind of thing where it, the more uh, volunteers, the more support you have to get the signatures, the better. So we're we're urging everybody who's in Virginia uh, to help us. I mean, even if it's just getting signatures from your immediate family 
and getting them notarized. We have, you know, you can contact the campaign. You can become a volunteer. You go to emordforva.com. You sign up to be a volunteer on the on the forms there, uh, and then you um, you you will be integrated into this. But if you get the petition, and you even if you just get your own family members, that's great. If you get your neighbors, that's better. If you get your church group or your civics groups, uh, all the people there to sign it, fabulous. You have to get the thing notarized. There are notaries everywhere. They're at, the, at your bank and they're at the post office and they're all over the place. They can notarize the signatures and then we're done. We've got one of those done. We, uh, we need 10,000 signatures and we think we're still counting the most recent totals, but we think we have between 5,000 and 6,000 that we've obtained. We have four weeks left. And so we need to duplicate what we've done in the first four weeks. Um, and we need to do a little more than that. So ideally, we're going to be in the zone of 13,000 signatures statewide. And then in each of the 11 congressional districts, we're shooting for 600 signatures. The minimum is 400. And I think we're going to do it. I mean, I, I believe that the that history is, you know, a uh, indicative of the future and the fact that we've already gotten some 6,000, 5,000 something, either high 5,000s or low 6,000s, um, means to me that we can do it again and we can even do it a little better mm-hmm. in numbers because of the increasing number of volunteers. So we started out with about a very big volunteer base of like 150, and now we're really probably close to 200. And we just have to keep that momentum going. And if we can, I'm sure we'll get on the ballot. It's just so, you know, painstaking. And the reason uh, for this high number is really anti-competitive. They don't want incumbents to face competition. It's like everything else. All these restrictions on fundraising and yeah. It's like Monopoly Protection Acts for Big Pharma. You know, they don't want competition. And that's the antithesis of freedom, folks. We believe in your freedom to choose even, yes, pharmaceutical drugs. I've never called for their banning. I would like fully informed consent, though, on the use of those things. And many people are are largely ignorant because they've just trusted the medical profession, which, you know, quite honestly, they've fallen down on their job of investigating the things they're prescribing as well, just relying on, for instance, the FDA. Well, the FDA approved it. So it must be fine, yet we know the dangers associated with FDA approval. It's not a guarantee of safety or efficacy. So there are things that, Jonathan, you know, in bringing that out to the forefront that I think people in America would be more inclined to say, you know what? I think freedom is not a dangerous thing. It's a much safer place to be where we don't trust government bureaucracies to tell us what we can and can't know, much less can and can't do or eat or take for remedies for what ails us. Yeah, it boils down to whether you think you know your own best interests better than someone else, particularly a bureaucrat. I mean, the government is uh, willing to promise everything to you in order for you to give up your liberty. They'll promise you every single thing on earth that you value as being attainable, despite the fact that the reality is government is a parasite. It lives only off of the blood it sucks out of the most productive elements of our society. And if it, if it were to give you everything it promised, 
it would destroy the market in the process. And so what would that mean? That would mean that you could have you could not actually receive what is promised in any event. Uh, that's you know, this is the history of every communist and socialist country. The, they start the revolution by telling everybody that you are unjustly denied access to things in the world that we can acquire for you by use of military force to take the property of others and redistribute it to you. Then when the revolution is complete, they start uh, implementing some changes. Those changes result in the uh, people in power getting the lion's share of everything. You actually see them become incredibly powerful and wealthy and basically have everything in the world for them. And then it comes to satisfying the promise that you would all get your fair share of this apparently uh, great pie. And then what happens is you end up experiencing inflation. You end up having no protection for your freedoms. You can't criticize. You can't you can't do the kind of work you want. You're told what work you'll do, and you feel this of communism, and you end up with nothing being given to you that was promised. You don't have a better standard of living. You have less. You have rampant inflation. You can barely eat. You find that you can't survive, and you're forced into labor. So you end up living a life of drudgery and poverty with no freedom. And that's the worst that you government can give you. And yet this is the same government that promised you everything. Exactly. Now I want to ask you about the, a little bit related to foreign policy, but the, the Senate bill that's, that's now gone to the house, apparently that tied uh, the protection of our borders and money for it which I think already technically exists, certainly the authority to take care of it at the executive level already exists, but it tied it to money going to Ukraine, aid going to Ukraine, throw it down a rat hole of, uh, you know, just a horrible foreign policy series of decisions that have weakened us, not strengthened us. And it hasn't destroyed Putin as we found out in the, the latest interview with Putin was fascinating. Uh, and, and they tied this money that they want to, you know, to, to say that we need it for securing the borders to something that's totally unrelated. Like we want to secure borders for Ukraine before the U.S. And and then suddenly when the House uh, of Representatives, Speaker of the House, Johnson, I believe, says, you know what, this is dead on arrival here. Suddenly you, you start hearing uh, intelligence leaks about a space-based nuclear weapons technology in Russia. Like, I find it coincidental. It might be that he's genuinely working on it, but think I would think we'd be 10 times ahead of that already. But let me put that aside for a moment to say, how can we combat this insanity? Because a lot of Republicans signed on to this in the Senate. Yeah, this is a, a case of misplaced priorities. What they, they, they say, they cut off the border portion of it after the Republicans howled loudly against the border portion which was a total sham. I mean, the problem we have is not in processing and in categorizing people. The problem is in the people themselves, allowing this mass universe of unvetted people into the country. What they would have done uh, is give uh, work permits to every asylum seeker. So that would absolutely make matters worse. They're still illegal but they would give them work permits anyway. And and it's just uh, 
they, they were talking about uh, thousands and thousands of being allowed into the country before it would trigger over a period of several months a uh, an effort to restrict immigration. Uh, the whole thing is a disaster from the get-go because it does not stop the inherent problem of welfare being given to everybody in the world who comes through as an asylum seeker, and it doesn't stop, in other words, the incentives for illegal immigration, and it doesn't uh, protect the border at all. But that was eschewed, and then they just had this bill that would include money going to Israel, uh, to uh, uh, Palestinians, uh, to uh, uh, Ukraine, and that uh, is just throwing money, throwing money, right, willy-nilly, without accountability, into into what is apparently, in the case of the Ukraine, a bottomless pit, where American taxpayers, at the same time that we have no border protection for ourselves, and are experiencing, uh, you know, massive increase in crime as a result of it, and also a massive growth of an illegal underground economy. Instead of addressing that and protecting our own interests first with a true America first approach, they 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 leave that huge problem unaddressed and they then throw money at the Ukraine to protect its borders and they throw money at Israel to protect its borders. Well, that's just nuts. Uh, the solution to the Ukraine problem lies in an economic solution, and that is replacing Russia as the primary source of oil and gas to Europe. That's where most of Putin's money comes from. You want to do a number on Putin, what you do is you get liquefied natural gas depots all through Europe with American oil and gas, replacing Russia. Well, and if we that, had that a real... Become... A, you know, to your point, Jonathan, the economics, if you understand economics, I mean, all warfare is ultimately based on economics anyway, uh, you know, whether, you know, going through the history of warfare. But what you're pointing out is that we could do this economically instead of having to spend all the money propping up, as Eisenhower warned us, a military industrial complex, which is profiting. And it clear to me and most people now, I think, to see Ukraine as a money laundering operation. It's not something that is strengthening America. It's not unique. You know, granted, none of us want Putin to go take over Europe, but I don't think that's a realistic possibility as long as we're strong and they're strong. But if we're weak and they're weak, well, then the opportunity becomes ripe if he decides he wants to do that. But I think the policy is so well, stupid. It's stupid because, first of all, we can't afford it. We have a $34 trillion debt. We have $2 trillion plus in deficit spending. We don't have our own economic house in order. Our own military is, is, is in dire straits. I mean, we have a massive spare parts problem. We, have, we don't have enough attack submarines, enough nuclear submarines. Uh, we, don't, we have a, a, a woefully insufficient number of troops the army is depleted we have all sorts of problems we don't have uh, up to we, our our whole uh triad system is outdated and uh you know so when it comes to having a military second to none well we're fast depleting our position in the world as a result of not uh taking care of our own needs first and if you don't have the economy 
uh, roaring. You simply cannot meet these these threats. And if you've got uh, a, a ridiculous policy of not even protecting your own borders and allowing your own enemies to infiltrate your own country and begin the process of destroying it, how on earth can you justify tens of billions, in this case, $200 billion, $100 billion, $100 billion to be spent for um, the protection of other countries' borders? And then, as you're pointing out, there's no accountability for the funds, no reasonable accountability, and you've got all this corruption. And then in addition, you're not reducing Putin's ability to keep the war going. So as a result, right. you've got an endless war, no strategic understanding of how to get out of it, and just throwing money at it willy-nilly. It's just insane. The solution to this problem in pertinent part, in major part, depends on replacing Russia as the primary source of oil and gas to Europe, which means energy independence, which is the in the United States, which is the only thing that protects our national security. If we don't get back to a vibrant economy with energy independence, uh, we are not not only where are we beholden to uh, you know the Middle East for our oil and gas, but we are also in a weak strategic position otherwise, and we still are not taking advantage of our primary means to reduce Putin's financial wherewithal to fight that war in Ukraine, which is to replace 98% of Russian revenue comes from oil and gas sales to Europe. If the United States replaced it, we would be wealthy based on that those sales. And we would, and our, our economy would be stronger and our national security would be stronger, but Russia would be far weaker and would have less resources available to fight the war in the Ukraine. Now that makes sense to me, imminent sense. With that, yeah, Whereas with that, just throwing money, yeah, with, with, and you've got Putin just milking all this money out of Europe mm -hmm. and funding his military ambitions. And we're just, you're, we're trying to what? Uh, compete with that by funding Ukraine's military. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I mean, it, it, it seems to me to be a bottomless pit. Well, uh, again, another reason why we need you in the U.S. Senate to, to counter this nonsense that is destructive to America, even as it pretends to be defending America, which clearly, uh, it, you know, it, it, I, I get an elementary school student who look at this and go, that's just stupid. That's not how you get stronger. That's not how you defend yourself. Uh, so that's a big, big part of what we uh, are learning or hopefully have learned now and can see a transition, a change going on. But as I say, it's not that Russia is not investigating other means by which they could, you know, weaken their enemies, right? Just like any country might try to do if it, it perceives an enemy that would try to take it down. Uh, but I found it kind of strange, the timing of this so-called uh, leak of, of uh, classified information about a new threat, at, you know, just when yeah. the House is saying. It, no I, yeah, doubt, I don't but also, also, Robert, you know, when it comes to Israel, I mean, look, the Biden administration unfroze assets for Iran, gave them over $2 billion in assets immediately, uh, has been just being so kind to Iran and has facilitated Hamas, has paid money to the United Nations that's gone to the to Hamas. And, and here in this bill is this massive payout 
to the Palestinians, which is going to be siphoned off one way or another to Hamas and to Islamic Jihad and to Hezbollah. And so on the one hand, we're paying basically the Iranians. And on the other hand, we're saying now we're going to pay the Israelis. The solution to this problem is to defend our interests and, and you know, attack the source of the problem, which is Iran, and ensure that Israel is protected by our own actions in defense of our own interests against the Iranians, which means when they have over 50 attacks through Iranian proxies on American military bases, and we respond with, you know, uh, a, a inconsistent response and one that reveals weakness rather than strength. What we ought to do is absolutely pummel the Quds forces, blow them to kingdom come because they're behind this, send a clear message to Iran, and that is the best way to help Israel, stand by Israel and act against Iran where it has justified the pro by through uh, numerous provocations, uh, an American military response to stop them from killing so many Americans. And Trump would have done that. Trump did that with, you know, his execution of uh, Soleimani. Uh, very effective, very powerful, very uh, justified. And if we did the same kind of thing, we would probably experience a reduction in Iran's attacks against us, but also it would fortify Israel. Yeah. Instead, we're doing the same thing. We're we're we're, we're Tying Israel's hands at the same time we're gonna we're saying we're gonna give them more money. Then turn left immediately. Amazing. And that is just ridiculous. Yeah, well, and we're giving money to their enemies at the same time that we say we're gonna give money to Israel. Biden wants to give money to the enemies of Israel. Yeah, the foreign policy is just so absurd. And uh it, it just I don't know how we can continue on. As you pointed out, 33, 34 trillion dollars in debt. Uh, we've got bigger problems, and uh, we won't be able to sustain this. You know, the 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 dollar, Federal Reserve note dollar, is the world reserve currency can't continue in, in, in infinitely. It's amazing how it's still hanging on despite what we're dealing with. But there's a lot of history there, even though it's contemporary history that's keeping it going. But people don't understand what it's like to not be that, and how much more expensive things will get, even with the inflation. But even without it. Uh, if if uh, if things shift on a global scale, which they seem to be tipping that way every day with our policies being just. Kind of I mean, people people do not realize how depleted the American military is. Our Navy is really in trouble. Spare parts are an issue for us. Uh, getting planes to keep them operative in the air. The numbers of, of planes that we have is woefully inadequate fighter jets woefully inadequate, the number of attack submarines, woefully inadequate, and just to defend the United States. And people don't realize that, you know, they say, well, you, you, we're, we're the strongest military in the world. That's right. But you have to understand that to protect our interests around the world, which are rather considerable, we need a very strong military rather than invest in our own military and save this country. Uh, the, the threat of other countries taking full advantage of our weakness, Biden is both himself personally weak, but he, is, he has allowed our military to become extremely weak. And 
the, the problem with that is exactly mm-hmm. what we're seeing. You have all these strikes against American forces around the world. You have all these enemies of the United States. You get China contemplating going into Taiwan. You have Russia totally unintimidated in the least. I mean, when Russia, in response to all the billions that have been expended by the United States in the to the Ukraine, has has not wavered one iota in its commitment to pursue this uh, strategy it has to destroy the Ukraine. Yeah. Now, is that an indication that more money from the United States is going to change the equation? No, we need a different approach. Exactly. Exactly. We need a different approach. And that approach needs to deprive Putin of the resources necessary to wage war. Right. That's an intelligent approach. Exactly. Hey, Jonathan, on the domestic front and protecting our own borders, the House uh, voted to impeach uh, Mayorkas the first time that's happened in a long time century and a half ago, I think it might have happened to someone like him. But the uh, the thing is, it could be dead on arrival in the Senate because you're not there yet. And I wonder what your perspective is on this uh, impeachment uh, of Mayorkas and the fact that he just was completely, I, I won't say incompetent. I'd have to say this is on purpose. This, you can't be that bad at your job. <laughs> the one, You know, one of the main things you're supposed to do, protect the borders. And like, the one thing you're not doing significantly. So uh, impeachment is an understatement in terms of what needs to be done with this guy. That's right. Uh, This person has betrayed the United States. And, you know, uh, Tim Kaine referred to Mayorkas as a person who's doing a great job. He said that as DHS secretary, he's doing a great job. Talk Talk about somebody whose perception of what is a good job and our perception of what is a good job disagrees fundamentally. But the fact of the matter is, he's this Mayorkas is really a Soros clone. He is a globalist. He believes in no borders for the United States. He believes in an international order controlling the government of the United States. He does not believe in American nationalism or American uh, independence from the rest of the world. And so, of course, in his view, uh, even though what he's doing is entirely against the law, violates the immigration laws, uh, violates his oath of office, uh, and richly justifies his impeachment. Um, you know, you've got these people who are in the Democrat Party and who are in leadership, not least of which Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who will use that Senate majority as a vehicle to protect this man from being removed from office. And so he will remain this awful DHS secretary. And he fully is fully aware of that and is fully confident. He's an arrogant, uh, strangely, um, you know, dishonest in the face of his testimony. He's committed perjury. Uh, But this man is a person who simply does not have our interests at stake, doesn't believe that the United States deserves border protection, wants the borders left as wide open as possible, has totally uh, uh, eliminated any power that the uh, Customs and Border Patrol agents have to protect our country. And this man is is a traitor to the United States without question. And he needs to be removed, but he won't be. He will remain in that position through the rest of this administration. And the numbers of of illegal entries will keep going up and he will keep hamstringing uh, and binding down the CVP agents from doing the job that they want to do 
with morale at its lowest level ever among that force. And they are simply incapable of helping us save this country because Mayorkas has chosen to violate the immigration laws. Well, see, all it's of that tragedy, money, and it's uh, yeah, all of that the power, all of the centralization of, of the bureaucracy has not strengthened America, has not strengthened our borders, has not strengthened our economy. It's doing quite the opposite. And as we look at the freedom that we claim we want, it isn't going to be rescued by giving more power to the same government that is reducing our freedom. And in fact, I don't know if you saw this, there's a, a number of media outlets that are considered part of the new media. They're suing the state department over censorship. It's like, they're not suing them. So we'll have a stronger uh, bureaucracy to protect free speech. You know, it's the opposite. The stronger the bureaucracy got, the more it was able to impact speech and limit it. Uh, it's just astonishing what we're seeing here. And this is the daily wire and, uh, FDRLST Media and the state of Texas bringing a civil action to halt one of the most egregious government operations to censor American press in the history of the nation uh, against the above named defendants for declaratory and injunctive relief. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's like astonishing when we think of the threats to freedom and like Reagan and others warned us, it would come from within, not necessarily from without. Yeah. Uh, the greatest threat to our survival as a nation today is within our country. It's not outside of our country. It's within our country. And the greatest institutional threat to the people of the United States is the Democrat Party as it's currently constituted. And if we don't prevail in getting control of this government and restoring the Constitution in short order, we are going to witness for the first time in the history of this country, uh, our country being controlled by communists. And I'm, I'm, you know, people say, oh, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. These people do not believe in private property. The people who are in the leadership of the bureaucracy do not believe in private property. They do not believe in a free market. They believe in a communist system. And that's who Biden has put in there. And when you have people like that at the Federal Trade Commission and the Environmental Protection Agency and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and uh, in the Department of Commerce, the Department of Education, when it's all over the government like that, that is the telltale sign that we are at the very end of our rope. This is it. Either we change the nation by rising up and doing it now or we're going to go through a very, very, very tough time of getting back to freedom in this country. So well, that's that's my my you know my 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 warning to to my fellow Americans. We have got to act now to save this nation, or we will lose it. Well, exactly. Uh, I I find this a little bit humorous, but it's sad as well when we talk about the institutions of higher learning. I've called them institutions for higher collectivist or communist uh, indoctrination, uh, which is more appropriate here. I've got some one of the uh, things that popped up and just started playing here. I apologize. Let me just close that out. Uh, but the uh, let's see. There's an organization that gr gave Harvard University a lifetime award 
And you think, you know, Harvard, the exalted Harvard, and it's finally being called to the carpet for what it's become. And they gave, they were given a lifetime censorship award from a free speech group. Uh, and I think that is as appropriate as can be. Uh, this was given by the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, uh, coming after Harvard came in uh, last on their college free speech rankings, right? I don't know why any parents, other than wanting them inside the bureaucracies of planet Earth, why they would send their kids to Harvard, whether they have the money or whether they get a free ride, because it's just a complete indoctrination center for globalism and communism at this point. Yes, it is. And, you know, this is true across uh, the whole spectrum of universities in the United States, with rare exceptions. And that is that when you and I went to the university, I was a conservative on a campus overwhelmingly liberal. I was at the University of Illinois. It was 1979 to 1983, no, 80, whatever, 80, 1980, 1977 to 1980, whatever. I was there for four years. I got the date wrong, 76 maybe. But anyway, I was a student at the University of that school was very liberal. Uh, but even though I was a conservative, there was a general tendency to allow me to dissent, basically to respect that I had a right to disagree. That is gone. Now, if you're a conservative at a university, if you open your mouth, you're running the risk of being having your grades affected. You're running the risk of being condemned. You're running the risk of being driven off the university. If you're a Jewish student at a university today, you are running the risk of being attacked with an anti-Semitic attack. You're running the risk of being condemned and having even your grades affected again. And so the, the whole thing has changed to a, the universities are now centers of intolerance. They're centers of censorship, of disallowance of, of dissent. Jonathan, and you're, 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 yeah, you're so right. I, I, you know, I'm just having memories flood back when I went to university. I went to a, you know, a kind of an Ivy League school in the South. They called it a liberal arts institution, although very focused on medical things. Uh, you know, it, it was a really high level. If you didn't get into Harvard, a lot of people ended up going there. Right? I never was interested in Harvard, by the way. But the uh, the experience I had, you know, I I wasn't as um, let's say set in my political views then like you were, Jonathan, in terms of uh, political acumen. Uh, I was kind of like more of a libert, I guess before I knew what libertarians were, that, you know, as a kid, it's like, let people be, let them be free, right? But I encountered people that were very far left that were even openly, I guess, Marxist and communist, but they weren't the predominant people, but everybody could engage in spirited discussion and protest. And that was kind of normal, but it wasn't like you felt threatened if you had a view, even if people might not like your view. It's like, it's really transformed and changed to the point where you pointed out, you know, you could just simply be Jewish and not every Jewish person has the same political ideology, but simply now that's acceptable to attack people of a certain religion and it's like that wasn't thought to be a good thing back way back in the day even if there were other problems so things have shifted on the university campuses and marxism is not a, a place where freedom of speech is really one of the ideals of that thought form political ideology it's about a one-size-fits-all right. scenario and if you stray from it you're going to be in a gulag or re-educated yeah, and 
one of the cool things, Robert, um, that I just experienced while I'm on the road here. Mm-hmm. So it's gotten to the point, Robert, where uh, when I'm driving along, truck drivers will honk their horns or bus drivers and school buses will honk their horns when they see the campaign car and they see the, the EMORD sticker on the side. It's really neat because it tells you that even though it's super hard to do this uh, and get to get the results, that is to get the name recognition up and so on, that yeah. you must in order to be effective uh, competitor. There comes a time when it starts to happen, and that's about right now. And so, I, I mean, it's just such a delight to travel down the street, you know, and then have someone honk or someone wave or whatever. And you know they're saying, you know, they're giving you the thumbs up that they're saying that they're with you and that they know what you stand for, right? Yeah. So super cool. It just happened. A, a school bus driver dropped kids off and then drove by me and and gave me the thumbs up signal and honked on the horn. Nice. Um, us. Yeah. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah. That, that's good news. Now, you're appearing regularly on shows uh, beyond this one, which we've been together for years doing this, which is so much fun. And uh, I, I just am encouraged to hear every time someone else picks you up and learns about you because invariably they'll, they're – taken aback in a good way, what they don't expect, you know, when they have a political uh, campaign, somebody for office, they, they know what they expect and they think they're going to get, you get on there and suddenly like, Whoa, wait a second. <laughs> this guy not only knows what he's talking about, but he has the courage of his convictions. He believes it and it's coming through. It's resonating. This is the energy that you bring to it. Uh, so I'm thrilled that the name recognition is climbing. I don't know. Have you, I mean, we've over the years, you've done some shows like with Nori, George Nori, uh, coast to coast. I, I know he doesn't want to do overt political stuff, but has he had you on in a while? He hasn't had me on in quite a while. And I think that's because of the campaign. I think no. he's got to be careful to avoid, uh, you know, too much political bias because of the producers of the, not the producers of the show, but the yeah. owners of the networks he's on. Right. So I think that's probably why. And I've been very uh, uh, strong in my criticisms of Kane and I've attacked him a number of times for his horrible voting record. So I think I've become a little bit of a lightning rod for politics. Mm. But, uh, you know, we're together, Robert. And then there have been numerous shows I've been on, though, on television and radio. And some of them have uh, resulted in people. So now when I'll go to an event, Somebody almost always now it wasn't always the case, but almost always now they will say, oh, you know, I heard you on X, Y and Z or I heard you on Robert's show or I heard you nice. whatever. And this is happening in almost every venue. Mm-hmm. They'll come up and say that, you know, oh, you know, I know you. I heard you on that show. Um, in fact, just well, just the, yesterday at the at the one in Virginia Beach, uh, two people independently came up and one said, I heard you on Rob Carson's show. And then another one said that uh, they heard me on the Will Cal majority. Um, so uh, Carson just recently had me on Newsmax, but that has been a very popular show that I was mm. on there. And then nice. the one with Will Cal, um, you know, that's on Sirius XM radio. So a lot of people in their cars or driving will put that on if they like conservative commentary. Nice. And uh, that that's been good too. So, and well, Wilkow is a strong supporter of mine. I appreciate that very much. Great. I want to put this out for all y'all listening and watching live or later. 
that if you have other favorite shows that you listen to, whether it be a local show to your area or whether it be a national or just a podcast that reaches anywhere and everywhere, please suggest that they have Jonathan E. Mord on to let him know. It's like, you got to interview this guy. You've never heard anything like it. Right. And you know what Jonathan's about and you know, he's not going to disappoint. So I'm asking y'all to also be part of that media force to let the world know, let the people know that we have someone that can have a, a effect positive and powerful change, even as a single human being, an American who loves Liberty uh, being in the United States Senate is going to have a, an impact far larger than just that, because he brings us all with him, whether you're in Virginia, Virginia or not, our love of freedom, and particularly for those you've been with me for decades, some of you, health freedom, medical freedom, right? That's fundamental to it. And even though we might not be as big as uh, coast to coast, I'll just say this, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I had my friend Ann Archer Butcher on. We talked about a new technology for healing that has been pretty profound in the stories that were told. And uh, Ann told me that she had more response, more people uh, reached out for information and got this thing than on her appearance from coast to coast. Now, I'm not bragging. That's not my point in saying so, but it shows the commitment, the energy that you have when you hear something that resonates with you. You have the energy and the ability, even if you're struggling, and all of us to some degree may struggle from time to time with our health, but you have the wherewithal to step up and go, you know what? I am going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pretend it's all lost. And that's what I love about you all so much being here with me once a week, six days a week, whatever it is you can, or when Jonathan's on. And so it's a really t a powerful testament to what one of you, much less a bunch of you can do by putting the word out on Jonathan E. Board, health freedom, all the things that we do here. So Jonathan, again, I'm excited and encouraged to hear what's going on. And I look forward to hearing stories from your trip to Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I think the GOP meeting that's happening, is it this evening or afternoon? It's this, it's, uh, this evening at seven. Oh, it's seven o'clock. Okay. So seven o'clock Eastern, uh, Jonathan will be there. If you're in the Nor Norfolk area, if you want to find out that's uh, a GOP meeting. Uh, also, um, this weekend, uh, is the, uh, Trinity health freedom expo virtual. And if you want, you can participate in that online or through the Whova app. And you can see all of the lectures, including Jonathan E. Moore's amazing opening lecture, our health freedom panel and more, uh, and other things that are submitted for this thing that weren't there in Chicago when we did that. And uh, it's going to be an amazing event. Again, those of you who missed it, or even if you were there, you couldn't see it all. Please go to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com, sign up and join us there and watch it. You can engage and interact in real time with many of the speakers through the Whova app as well, which is amazing. And I don't know if you heard this, Jonathan, but uh, Julie and the family, they've decided to hold the next one, the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, about a month earlier, the last weekend in September in Indianapolis, Indiana. So we're going to be moving out of the Chicago area. And a lot of people are like excited about that. I don't mind. Uh, but uh, that's really yeah. great. Uh, so we'll we'll be together again late September in Indianapolis. So so Robert, I'm I'm in in motion so much of the time that I don't really know uh, when the panel is for I'm get us to, with Julie at, uh, this weekend. Yeah, you and me both, and I'll I'll reach out to Julie after the show. It may it may be it may not even be happening. I don't know because of everything that's going on. But I'll let you know, Jonathan. So don't worry about it. Hopefully, it works out. If not. There's still the health freedom panel we did with uh, uh, we had who was who was on with us as well. Uh, Brian Hooker was there. Oh, that was a great one. 
Yeah. And uh, boy, oh boy, we got some good stuff out and it's still good today. So you guys participate if you missed it or even if you didn't uh, sign up and be part of it this weekend. Uh, So let's see what else, Jonathan, a couple of minutes left before the top of the hour. How's the wife? How are the kids doing? How enthusiastic are they? I mean, are they like, oh, dad's going again. He's got another trip. You're never home. How's it going? Well, there's a little bit of that from my children, but by and large, they're they're uh, they're really digging it because it's a chance for them to make a difference. So they 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 appreciate the opportunity to help their own country. So yes. they all have a very positive attitude about it. Cheryl is 100 percent behind it, uh, and the kids are too. My my kids, you know, they kind of miss uh, having me more involved in their lives a little bit. But my son, I think, appreciates my absence. <laughs> but my my daughter. I think would like me to be there a little more. So anyway, um, it's hard of course, because I'm gone a good part of the time, but, uh, they're they They know that this is a sacrifice we have to make for our country. So they're all for it. Yeah. Your commitment is something I I appreciate. They're bright, young, young kids that are growing up fast, just like mine have, have done. And, uh, I'm so excited that this is happening and I look forward and I know we're talking about behind the scenes about when I can get out there with you to help collect those signatures before the deadline. So as soon as we have something confirmed, uh, whether you're here or not, I'll be announcing it. Uh, to let people know about some events we'll be at together. Uh, We've got other events coming up, including the Health Freedom Expo. I was talking with our buddy Rob Verkirk and Melanie Aldridge from the Alliance for Natural Health as well. Uh, I was invited to speak at a a, a global kind of health freedom event in Geneva, Switzerland, the end of May, early June. Uh, So I think Rob and Mel may be at that one. So uh, as much as I like them here when they're in the United States, if I can meet them out there, they're people that you know and I know that are committed around the world to this principle or these principles of uh, bodily autonomy, individual liberty, health freedom. And I love that this message is resonating despite some people in America not yet there, particularly the people in the Biden administration. Yeah, it is definitely the case that there's a liberty movement afoot and it's getting stronger by the day. And people are sick of the government trying to control everything from what they put on their face to what they get injected into their bodies. And it's about time. Uh, We really needed this reaction earlier. You can always say that when government incrementally encroaches on your freedom, it reaches that boiling point where suddenly uh, larger numbers of people realize that, gee, we shouldn't have been sitting by the wayside as this uh, giant movement uh, for government went by. Uh, But now we're we're wiser because of the COVID period. It hurt us a lot, and that made us wiser. So those who survived it are now in a position to make a difference, and I certainly hope they make a difference in this upcoming election in 2024. Yeah, absolutely. emord4va.com. It's linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. If you're watching us in the chat room, say hi, robertscottbell.com slash listen or the various chat rooms out there. And uh, we'll be back with a whole other hour broadcast healing with Super Don and me. And uh, Jonathan, have a wonderful time. Shout out to the GOP group meeting in Norfolk, Virginia coming up this evening and look forward to hearing more stories from the campaign trail. Sounds good, Robert. Thank you. All right. That's Jonathan Emord. And uh, coming up, we we got a lot more to discuss and I hope you'll stick around and tell your friends to join us. Uh, We're going to be talking about the, let's see, lead pipe crackdown. What does that mean? (laughs) Is it about gang warfare or is it about 
chemical warfare against you. Microplastic invasion, uh, mysterious pesticides still around that we didn't even know they were around, uh, weird obelisk-like life forms in the body. We got a lot of interesting things to, to hit. And speaking of hit, the homeopathic hit of the day, if you know somebody that can walk through walls uninjured, this remedy is not only for them, but it describes them. And we'll get to that as well the next hour. Be with us just a moment. Be back with more powerful healing because the power to heal, even politically, is yours. All right, back for hour two, this Thursday edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show, Sacred Fire of Liberty with Jonathan E. Ward. And now it's just you, me, and Super D for the rest of the show, plus bonus round. And I want to give you some updates on upcoming events as well. And always like to remind you to say thanks to those who support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. Super Don tells me I'm having some uh, internet interface difficulties, which are unknown and not typical for me. If there's some uh, hopping and skipping and jumping on the video, as far as I know, Super D, is the audio going out okay, or am I clipping as well? And if so, I'll turn the show over to the, you. Uh, no, the uh, no, that won't happen. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, the hey, maybe I wanted to be there. <laughs> you can look at me for once. Um, yeah, the audio is fine. Okay, very good. You're good. You just your your internet seems to be kind of glitchy today, and it's it's whatever the internet is coming to the house, so. It happens, man. Very rarely. Uh, so we are at the mercy. Event. We are at the mercy of the internet. You ever think about that? I don't like. Where to it's think like about that. I know it's kind of scary, isn't it? Or it's just like, you know, what would happen? <laughs> you know, what happens uh, when the internet goes out? It's like everybody suddenly feels like they're on Little House on the Prairie. You mm -hmm. know, it's just like, oh, I'll go wash my clothes in the river now because I don't have any internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, last night uh, had collards. Uh, for dinner, not just collards, but it's like every day when we have something that we grew that we get to eat, even in the winter, it's kind of a cool accomplishment. Like we talked about that potato leek soup last week, even in winter, we've been growing the leeks through the, the potatoes were from mostly through the summer growth. Although we planted some more potatoes in the greenhouses and uh, we've got a lot more the starters that we've planted in the greenhouses to get ahead of the growing season. For those of you who are not in Florida, where you can grow year round, I know I used to, uh, you know about the seasonal concept and that in the winter, you if you're gonna grow, you'd have to have hothouses, greenhouses, et cetera. And I'm just grateful because every year we learn a little bit more, we do a little bit better. And I want to say, if it's your first time doing it, don't be too disappointed when it all doesn't work out as well as you want. But each year we've had this, we've done a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. But that's how life works, you know? And that's why I say, don't start growing food when you're hungry, because you're likely not going to succeed as well as you will five years from now, or five years from when you started five years ago, where you are more prolific as a grower. And even you, Super D, you've learned uh, from doing your little raised beds the last, what, couple of years now, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more each time you gain in comfort and confidence. You go, hey, this is really cool, and I can do it. Yeah, I, you know, for me, I wish I, I had something I could, like, write a book on the secret, my secret to gardening <laughs> by Super Don. Right. Uh, I don't really have one. I, I've been, you know, I've done it for two years now. I, I do really good with tomatoes for some reason. I don't know why. 
I, uh, I, you know, all I do is I, I'll go down to Walmart here in the garden center and mm-hmm. I'll get a bag of organic soil uh, and a bag of, of compost. Mm-hmm. And I'll mix it all together into the dirt and stuff like that. And then I'll put some plants in it. I'll put water on it, yep. you know, and that's no all idea. I do. And for some reason, I don't know what it is about this, this soil out here. Uh, the tomatoes just go bonkers. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> like terms, it. It's like, like it. it's like a giant hedge. Now I, yeah. I have learned that you are supposed to prune your tomatoes mm-hmm. plants. Yes. And that there's like this thing where it's like when the branches, when they, when they fork, it's like, and, and then something comes out of the middle of where the fork is, that's going to be a non-producing uh, a branch. So you prune that. That you're supposed to prune, mm-hmm. you know, come on. I'm, I'm me. Well, we got, we learned. Hey, we learned I, it, right? I ain't got no time to prune. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? So it turns into like a giant thicket of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of tomatoes. And I have to like, you know, put on a helmet and dive into the, the plant to try and find where the tomatoes are and stuff. But you know, it's, it's fun. I don't know what I'm going to plant this year. I haven't really thought too much about it. Mm-hmm. I still got until May, I think, or so. Well, yeah, you're not doing uh, the starters, but I mean, the thing is you don't have cats. So technically you could, you can get those little starter things. You can start planting little seeds in the windowsill, have them grow up. Eh, I, I, I go to, I, I go to the, uh, whatever, I guess. I'm I know not you a, buy the starters. I'm not, I'm not a purist, I guess. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a hundred It's not a purist. It's more like it's money saving when you start from seed. But if you started now at the windowsill, by the time you're able to buy those things, the starters, which I know they're not that expensive relative. I don't have, I don't, honestly, I don't even have a windowsill that I could do that on. You can't do that on a window. No, no I really oh, don't. Okay. The way that this house is, is, is put, I don't really have any windowsills to use. Like right in front of you, that one. No, it doesn't get any sun. Oh, duh. Okay. So it's North facing. Yeah, so right. it's it's. I yeah. tried. I tried. Anyway, but, yeah. anyway, anyway. Who cares? <laughs> I care. Uh, I I just go buy some plants and put them in the ground. Okay, anyway, that's just how it is. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that. That's 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 gonna be fun. Yes, um, I'm ready. I want to do something different though. Yeah. You know, I mean, I still kind of want to do tomatoes because I do really well with the tomatoes. Well, and the cucumbers that were made into pickles. Good lord, those are awesome. Those were and they good. go well together. The pickling cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Those were good. I understand yeah. that sweet potatoes are also complementary to tomatoes. So if you plant sweet potatoes underneath the around the tomatoes, that's another good thing. Which I uh, which I would be more inclined to. It used to be sweet potatoes were just not something I was going to eat. Yeah, because as growing up, mm-hmm. it, I just I dreaded the Thanksgiving dinner with all of the relatives because somebody would come along and they'd bring, which was I guess, well yeah, was it yams? I guess it was. Yeah. Which is supposed to be different from sweet potatoes, I guess. I don't know. I, I think they're interchangeable. They these me. mushy, yucky old, you know, and, and <laughs> my parent, my stepmother would make me eat them. And so you, you know, have a it good was experience like, with them. Yuck. But then I found out that you can take them raw mm-hmm. and chop them up yeah. and then roast them in the oven. Yeah. You like and them that way. They're really good. We had some, well, not, not sweet potatoes. We had yams or uh, beets last night. Mm-hmm. Yellow beets. Chopped up with nice some other vegetables and stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to grow this year. I, I've I've toyed with the idea of potatoes. Yeah, I know that you've had good luck with potatoes. Yeah, we've done really well with potatoes. We haven't done well with sweet potatoes for some reason. I, mm. I wish it was the other way around because I love sweet potatoes. But um, 
There's some soil uniqueness to it, but I, I may plant some around the tomatoes this year as that's another complementary crop like cucumbers are to tomatoes. And we've got a wide variety of tomatoes uh, that when we met with our greenhouse group that they share seeds and everything. And so we'll see, cause we started planting them early in the greenhouses. We'll see what comes up and then we'll transport them outdoors at the, at the appropriate time after mother's day, apparently here. So that's, that's coming up. Looking forward to that as we're talking gardening, uh, I know, Super right? Don. Hey, yeah. today's segment on gardening with Super Don. Yes, uh, that's fun. So uh, let's do a little bit of the upcoming events. Just a reminder: I mentioned the Health Freedom Expo this weekend, the virtual. You guys can attend from wherever you are. Then uh, we're heading to Atlanta for a couple of events. Uh, there's the Health and Freedom Summit, and that's uh, March seventh through tenth. Judy Mikovits, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, and many of our friends will be there, thanks to the Warners. And that you can check out worldwellnessweekend.com, worldwellnessweekend.com if you want to see. And they'll often let you into the exhibit hall for free, or you know, but you still have to register. But if you want to see the lectures, obviously there's a fee to do that. Uh, but I'd love to see you there at that event. And then the following week, uh, March 14th through 17th, shout out to Tia Severino next dash steps.info the next steps conference third annual one and there'll be um uh, thursday friday saturday and sunday uh, uh events and a lot of the sunday stuff is like a lot of outdoor stuff which is kind of cool hiking and nature walks and things but day one will be the healing day day two we'll be working on workshops on, on parallel society on education food medicine and more day three focusing on finance science media and then the VIP gala dinner, uh, and then on Sunday, day four, uh, which is the prayer service and nature walk. It's just, it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of great exhibitors. You get to meet a lot of cool people, try things out. So please plan to be there for that. Then we have the Be Healthy Utah event in April, and that's the 19th and 20th in Sandy, Utah, which is basically a suburb of Salt Lake, and it's the Sandy uh, Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, Utah. And they're, you know, it's a two-day event, a Friday, Saturday event. And as I mentioned, my good friend, Liana Werner Gray is now officially going to be coming to that and speaking. So it'd be great to reunion with her. She's wonderful, delightful, and she'll probably have a lot of Redmond salt and all kinds of things. And I was funny enough today, Super Don, and we'll come back to the, some of the upcoming events in a moment, but I was, every, every day I get new, new fun stories to tell you from the, the kickboxing workout place, you know, with the, between the trainers and the people who attend. And, you know, I, I, I dish it out, but I can take it because they dish it out to me too. Right. And you know, the, this, this one, one of the ladies there, she's, she's really a nice, she's got like, I don't know, a gaggle of kids like they all do. And, 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 uh, she's like, you don't know how much money you've costed me doing all the things that you tell me to do. I'm like, uh. yeah, but you're doing great. You got rid of the mercury in your mouth. Uh, you're on cardio miracle. It's awesome. You know, I mean, she's joking about it too, but at the same time she says, but I'm not, then she says this, but I'm not giving up my Botox. Oh. I, I'm not kidding. There are a lot of uh, young housewives, if I can call them that. And there, some of them also work outside the home. So this is, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, ladies, that's, that's up to you. But these 30 somethings, they're into natural health. They're not vaccinating their kids. They know better, but they still get Botox. Well, is a Botox what am, natural? What am I missing here? Botox so, is natural. Right? I, you know what I want to do? I want to connect them to Leanna Warner Gray because she's talked about all kinds of great stuff that you can do 
instead of Botox that does things like Botox does. <laughs> so I have to get her back. I want to connect to all these people. If they're doing great, except for that. They're like. So uh, you're talking about like for the wrinkles, right? Yeah, correct. Before yeah. they even show up. These, these women are not wrinkled. They're in yeah. their 30s. But yeah. anyway, I just. I, are, I probably are, are, crazy, are, are wrinkles sexy? Well, you know, in men, they're they're much more acceptable. Women don't like them. You know, it's a it's right. a it's a kind of a unfair judgmental system. You know, when women age, they're not looked at in the same way as men for some reason. Um, I think it's funny. I mean, do, do, do have you experienced that with your wife, where 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 the the wife will be very uh, affected uh, by noticing wrinkles? on their face and you know you know they talk about their crow's feet right right you know and stuff like that and well, I, my I, wife my wife you know she does it from time you know every once in a while she'll she'll talk about that and i'll be like you know look at my look look at this here look at this right look at what you, you know, married this, this look at this this like topographical map of the moon that we've got going on <laughs> on my, my face here right there's nothing wrong with ring who cares it's not a big deal I know. you know I don't know what it is, but yeah. Well, my wife will still get carded at a liquor store. Not that we go to liquor store, but I mean, she's aging in a weird way. Or you're like, what the heck is going on? She still looks so <laughs> young. But I think partly, and I'm not saying only that because you know you go into genetics and stuff like that. I get that, but seriously, the inflammation, the uh, lack of minerals. We talk a lot about copper and wrinkling, right? The lack of copper, premature wrinkling as well. So I think that. Eating cleaner foods, organic foods. What do you got? You got copper right there? Yeah. I got the copper right here. You know, this is one of those things when you talk about the beauty minerals, skin, hair, and nails, it's copper and silica. By the way, you can get both of the right forms of this uh, from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. And, and there's a link, of course, a banner, choosetobehealthy.com or call 866-424-1077 to get all those good things. So, I'm just excited to connect all these people with Liana. Maybe I'll get her to come in and yeah. do some kickboxing with it's me. It's been a while since we've had her on. Yeah. It's been about at least a year. At least, or yeah. More, so, a couple of years. So there'll maybe. be a reunion on that front coming up soon. Uh, I mentioned the Be Healthy Utah. She'll speak there. Then we have the RSB family reunion, thanks to Leslie and how great it was to see Leslie and five-sixths of her kids. Didn't get to see James. He was working. But at the uh, uh, Blue Eye, Missouri, at the Jim Baker ministry, she brought them, and it was great. There's a... She put a video up, posted a cute, cute video of the kids and the, how much they enjoyed being there at the uh, studio. Uh, but this is happening June 14th through 16th, uh, Goody Farms Homestead, right near Joplin, Missouri. And we have uh, Sherry Neal uh, going to be there, Scott Scherner, uh, Leslie, of course, and others. That's going to be fun. The Red Pill Expo is happening at the same time. We've got other events before that, in fact. That's kind of wild to think that before that, I'll be in Geneva, Switzerland, the end of May, early June, for that Health right. Freedom event in Geneva. Then we have the live Health Freedom Expo back, but now in Indianapolis, September 28th and 29th. And then there's the Trinity Live event that happens right before it as well. I think the 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, something like that. Or it might be, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. We, we had Julie Whitman Klein on just the other day last week. Check that out. You can be part of that as well. Um, upcoming events, there'll be more added to the list. There's a lot more happening than I can keep up with. And... I uh, want to welcome Bobri Oren back from Israel. He visited his family, and he's got the Folium PX and the updates on that. Uh, if you go to foliumpx.com, that's the original formula that was developed in response to the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. 
And we've covered a lot of stories. Even recently, there was another story out of uh, Fukushima. I think just a few days ago, we might have covered that, Super D, about Mm -hmm. more releases. And we've got to counteract all of this ionizing radiation and heavy metals and all of the contaminants. We need more antioxidant support. And the folium provides that, folium immuno, folium relax. And this is what got my mom back on the dance floor at 89, now 90. And I just saw she posted something about a big dance party uh, later this month or early next month that she's going to. So the dancing keeps happening, keep shaking it, and keep riding that bike there, Mom, if you're watching today at at home that you have. So uh, movement is life, and we want to support you in your efforts to stick around as long as you want to and be healthy and happy and not inflamed and in pain. That's I don't think that's too unreasonable. But if you're drinking water and your pipes are filled with lead solder or they're lead themselves, you might have some inflammation. You might have some problems. And there's an article here in the Defender written by from the new lead, apparently, L-E-D-E. It says, new rule, a deadline and lots of money. EPA's proposed lead pipe crackdown spurs debate. The U.S. EPA's proposed changes would require water systems to replace lead service lines within 10 years of the rule going into effect and lead, of course, is particularly toxic for kids, but it's not really good for anybody. And that is plumbum metallicum in homeopathic form. Plumbum is the homeopathic form of lead to help you get rid of it. And all of the controversies from Flint on down, many people say it's a racist construct. But again, uh, Obama was was president for eight years. Last time I checked, he had more pigment than some of us, and yet it didn't solve it. So I don't think this is purely a racial construct. I think it is about us versus them and mean all of us who are not in the club. And they don't give a flip about us. Go back to George Carlin. You learn a little bit about that. And you think about all the money they're spending over to secure the borders in the Ukraine and how little they're spending to do what Super Don has said many times. If they just took a fraction of that money, they could have all the lead pipes removed and replaced with something safer. In the meantime, make sure you filter that water, though, Super Don. And I think you are still. You got a gravity-fed filter. Oh, yeah. No, I've got it in in faucet filter that I use. I, it's not yeah. only that, but the fluoride on top of the lead, the fluoride guarantees the lead uptake and other heavy metals are going to be uptaken even more efficiently into your body because they're still fluoridating in some places. And I, I hope that we'll see more victories like we mentioned in Branson. They stopped fluoridating the water there as well. So there's some good things happening. But the EPA, is this a little bit too little, a little bit too late? Who's fighting this? Is it just good? It's too expensive, but we'll keep sending billions. They are to full of excuses like, like they always are. You know, the objections here, the challenges, they say, critics are arguing that the the 10-year time frame that they're given on this to replace the lead pipes is just, it's not financially feasible for older, smaller, economically disadvantaged communities without direct grants. Yeah. Um, Well, take the money they're spending in Ukraine, give it to them right now. It can be done yesterday. And I I know I sound like a broken record. And when I've talked about this before, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I always compare it to the money that we're spending. Yeah, I, I don't know how much this latest bill that they passed, ninety how many billions of dollars that is. Yeah. If Fair I remember enough. correctly, uh, I tried looking this up real quick, but I'm not getting, uh, I'm not, I'm having trouble duplicating my uh, info from a few months ago. But it was, it was somewhere in like, it was like $50 billion, I think it was. Uh, it was the number that I, I had gotten about how much it would cost or just replace you know, just, yeah. just just go replace them all. Mm-hmm. And you look at the money that we spent in the Ukraine. But you know, let's let's just take the Ukraine out of the equ- equation and just look at the money that we spend on a lot of other 
dumb yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it, the government does not have a problem writing a check for a billion dollars anymore. I mean, they'll just do it at the drop of a hat, it seems like. You know, a billion dollars, ain't no problem. Here's a billion dollars, right? Yeah. There On was the a time out. a billion dollars was like, wow, I can't even imagine what a billion dollars is. Now, now it's just like not that big of a deal. So, you know, my question is, you know, when we're talking about things like uh, threats to national security, you know, there's this new story, this thing that came out. You kind of mentioned it a little bit on, uh, on with Jonathan last hour about this thing where the apparently the the Russians are looking at putting nukes in space. Yeah. <laughs> now, listen, yeah, I would be concerned about that too. What, you know, what could what could somebody do if they had a nuclear uh, missile in space? You know, right. you, could, you could drop that anywhere. Uh, the, another part of the story on that is that they have acquired satellite uh, a destroy destroying weapons. Yeah, they're looking. Yeah, weaponizing yeah. space. I think that's the primary focus of those nuclear weapons. From what right. I understand, so yeah. is that a threat to national security? Of course, it's a threat to national security. Absolutely. But let's let's think of it for a moment. We've had lead pipes in this country uh, since like the eighteen hundreds. Right. Mm -hmm. It was when they started using lead because it was like, oh, this is oh, this lead is great, man. It's strong and it, it's durable. And, you know, and they didn't know, obviously, at the time that it was poisoning people. We found that out years later. So, you know, what, I mean, Robert, what, what does lead do to people when they when they when they uh, it accumulates in their body? What, what, what are the side effects of that? Well, the primary focus has been on uh, lowering of IQ, basically. Oh, yeah. Uh, retarding okay. uh, intellectual and, and intelligent development oh, in okay. children. So, yeah. so let, let's think about this for a second. If if you've got a massive amount of lead pipes in the country that is leaching lead and everybody's drinking it and everybody's IQ is just gradually getting lower, don't you think we could consider that as maybe a threat to national security? <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it. Yeah. Really? I mean, we're poisoning ourselves. And that's just one example, of course, of many that we could see. We could talk for hours about how we're doing that to sure. ourselves. It seems to me, and that should be a pretty easy fix, right? You know, it, will it cost some money? Sure, it costs some money. We're so far in debt, we're never going to pay the damn thing off. So let's just write a check and at least do something good, which might stop poisoning the, 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 the public, your right. constituents, so the right? The question is, is it the EPA dragging its feet or it's people going, I don't want this money being spent well, that way because we they don't keep have the, it. Oh, well, it's going to be hard for the local. No, don't put it on the local. Yeah, people, you know, this is a, a, a big enough problem. I think that if we can write a check for Zelensky yeah. for $50 billion, we can maybe take some of that money and let's protect the people of this country. Right. Let's let's or, replace the pipes. You know, sure. I mean, think about it. It's a win-win situation. We stop poisoning our people. Mm -hmm. And we, hey, maybe we'll create some jobs too, right? Well, hey, shovel-ready jobs, right? Somebody's got to get in there and dig those pipes out. Franklin Delano Superdon. Well, you know what I'm saying. I just this this is one of those yeah. things where I just shake my head yeah. and just go, "How is it that we've been talking about lead pipes now?" I, I mean, what I was just, how many years I, ago was Flint, Michigan? Yeah, a long time now. Uh, Come on, we, man. We we I keep hearing George Carlin. It's because they don't want to have this done. It, it, it's clear. The elite rulers of the planet and the country, they want you dumb. And they know that lead in your pipes keeps you dumb. Fluoride in your water keeps you dumber. 
<laughs> and and so these are the investments that they make to not make so that you are more docile and easy to control. But of course, you get people running up running for Congress as Democrats that are probably sucking down fluoride and lead pipe stuff that are just as dumb as anybody promoting the, you know, and Republicans too promoting this Ukrainian nonsense that we've talked about. So that's an ongoing mess. We know that. Now, another mess, and this is something you've been all over recently, is the microplastic invasion now they're calling it. And the Defender has a good article from our friends at the Alliance for Natural Health, how to minimize your exposure to these microplastics. I saw a story yesterday, Super D, I don't know if you saw this. They had passed a law in California to ban like those one-time use plastic bags, you know, that you get at grocery stores. Oh, at the grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always the way you write it in such a way where there's a loophole and that loophole hole is exploited. And so in the time since that law was written and went into effect in California, do you know that they have more plastic bag trash than they did before they wrote the law? (laughs) And, And do you know why? And because well, people, they, people they want made, the bags. Well, yeah, they made an exception yeah. that if you make it a little bit thicker, that 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 th- then you could claim that they're reusable, even if they aren't. And that's what happened. And they charge a dime for it. People would rather pay the dime yeah. to get the plastic bag. And Dude. so that ended up polluting even more. <laughs> and that's the brilliance of centralized strategies I, planning like that. I will be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty. Okay, when I go shop, as far as using the plastic bags where they they put them on there, it'd be like, oh, it's a nickel, you know, or it's 10 cents for a plastic bag. Well, you know what? Listen, I've got I've got two choices because I have such a a lousy memory. Um, (laughs) I I always forget to bring bags. Right. So you show up at the grocery store. You don't think about it until you get to the check stand. You've got a cart full of cans and boxes and stuff and whatever like that. And you're looking at it. You're going, damn it. I forgot the bags. Uh huh. Every time. So what do you do? Do you a do you try and juggle and hold a whole bunch of stuff as you walk out to the car, mm-hmm. or do you go? Ah, you know what? Ten cents for a bag? Yeah, I'll take five. <laughs> of course, you know that's, that's yeah. what you're gonna do. That's what most people do. And think about it: the store's making money now, right? That they wouldn't mm-hmm. have made before. We'll extra money on when that they're like, we're bags, gonna ban yeah. the bags because we want to save the whales. <laughs> uh, then suddenly it's like, wait a minute, everybody's buying the plastic bags. Here's some plastic bags, everybody. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, with my my Walmart over here, yeah. they have the plastic bags, but you wouldn't know it because mm-hmm. you have to ask for the plastic bags. And you know why? Mm-mm. Because people steal them. They do. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, well, actually, let me tell you, I take that back. It's not the plastic, but it's, it's the, you know, the, the bags with the handles, you know? Oh, right. And, yes. and, and yeah. And and they actually, they had them out. And as if you wanted one, you would just take one, mm-hmm. you'd scan it yeah, and you put your stuff in it. Well, all suddenly right. they all disappeared. And I was just like, man, whoever is in charge of ordering bags for Walmart is a dumbass. Yeah. Because they no, can't seem to order enough bags, you know, hiding. but then, but then yeah. it turned out that they were hiding them because, and I, I was talking to one of the, the clerks mm-hmm. and he said that we ordered, uh, he said we ordered 20,000 grocery bags. Yeah. And he said, suddenly we just like, we ran out, we were out do of you, them and they went and checked and, and yeah. th- they had over a month's time. Yeah. People had stolen 12,000 grocery bags. Wow. Now, do you remember, this is a Jonathan Emord story. He uh, represented a client that had developed a uh, plastic that came with a certain microbe that was, you know, grown into it, so to speak. And it would degrade it. It would break it down. So it was more truly mm. biodegradable and that 
you know, the US EPA, the government, you know, didn't let his client actually claim that they could, you know, be considered biodegradable because it didn't break down into its elements within a year. But you can throw a banana out on your yard, it'll break down, but it'll still be there like some semblance of it not broken down into its elements in a year. So, I mean, it's an absurdist level that you could never reach because, again, we've got buffoons that suck down lead and floride heading up things like the EPA or various regulatory agencies and bureaucracies. And there's always so much red tape that just gets in the way of, of doing things that seem relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just, so where are the environmentalist earth muffins fighting against the FDA? Realizing, I'm sorry, the EPA in this case, the EPA is a captured agency. Even environmentalist Bobby Kennedy. You find that. you find yeah. me, yeah, you find me any agency that's going to yeah. be easy to convince mm-hmm. to do anything that makes any sense. So yeah. let's look at this article, scroll down and let's go through these bullet pointed steps just to throw it out there for your consideration. Maybe you're already doing these things, but one of the things it says, think about your plastic usage and how you might be able to re- reduce it, i.e. not throwing away plastic items such as cutleries and straws, whatever, uh, substitute single use takeaway cups and bottles for your own stainless steel, bamboo or glass reusable Where's cups and bottles. Here? It's way down there somewhere. There we go. There you go. Uh, Recycle plastic rubbish where possible and bin waste when you're out. Rubbish. Uh, Who calls it rubbish? Well, bin waste and rubbish. That's these are British, and the A and H is in England. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry, UK Health Radio. I'm not yet. Yeah, okay. buy food packaged in glass or try out your local fill-up shop where you can use your own containers over and over again. Uh, again, some of these are basic, but hey, throw them out there for your consideration. Good luck finding – where do you find food packaged in glass anymore? Well, there are certain uh, it's companies rare. That, that yeah produce like milk in glass still. Yeah, that's, that's rare. Nice. But you're, it is that's rare. That's rare, and people usually don't buy that because why? It's more expensive. Well, yeah, but you have a yeah. deposit on it. You return it. We, we do that. Uh, buy a good water filter to remove uh, microplastics. Reach out to Echo Water. You know, we just had that commercial run-in for uh, the hydrogen water, but it's the best filtration you got. They also have RO systems that are – that are uh, what do you call it? container free so there's no growth in them so echo uh, water is a good source of uh, filtration to to remove those plastics as well as chlorine hormones drug residues and fluoride and glyphosate too Uh, don't this is this is obvious i think but a lot of people still i can't believe people still use microwaves honestly don't heat food or liquid in plastic containers particularly in the microwave due to the number of uh, uh, nanoparticulates plastic everybody does that yeah a, I, I don't understand a, a few why people still do that. I haven't yeah. used a microwave in decades, but I guess people are slow to to come out of the convenience. And do you remember? You know. Did you ever, when you were younger, did you ever eat a cup of soup in the in the styrofoam? Yeah, I remember it vaguely. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I've never done it. It wasn't a staple, even as bad as we ate. But um, well, that's it's super nasty doing that. Most people, most yeah. people. Yeah. They will take those and the, they'll know that you add the water up to the line. Yeah. And you put it in the microwave and you, and you eat it. And for the longest time, I never yeah. knew, and nobody really did, mm-hmm. that uh, you weren't supposed to put those in the microwave. Hmm. But that was just something that was just like everybody did it. And then yeah. suddenly the cup of soup people, they came out with a version that was microwave friendly. Yeah. And people were looking at going, What? Well, it, wait, yeah, it turned yeah. out that you weren't supposed to do that. You were supposed to pour boiling water into it because if you microwaved it, mm-hmm. what did it do? Yeah, it released all of this nasty yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. When buying clothes, try to buy natural fabrics as opposed to synthetic fabrics. Like we talked about, 
with Lisa Hill. She's got real cotton and silver fibers, uh, which is much more uh, conducive for good health because you, you every time you you know you wash it, you wear it, you're getting exposed. And, See, I don't and look, 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 look. Right. here. And here's the thing. I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly here. Go ahead. But I'm going. look. I'm looking at these. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is the reason why this plastic situation is such mm. a problem. Why it's done so much damage. They even admit here in this bullet point, natural fibers can be more expensive. So why not check out your local charity shop and do a bit of recycling at the same time? Mm. Nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody's going to go, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go down to the Goodwill to buy my clothes. Some people do, yeah, but, but the majority well, of people know they no. they want to buy the stuff that's on the rack, right? Mm -hmm. And that plastic stuff is all, all made out of this plastic stuff that we had no idea was was hurting you. Superdome, what's a washing bag? It says use a washing bag to reduce microplastic solution when washing washing synthetic fabrics. I think now somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's a bag that you can actually put your clothes in when yeah. you put it in the washing machine. So it captures the plastic residue? I guess. I don't I don't okay, know. Okay, I'm not familiar with well, that. Well, hold on though. Hold yeah. on though. Yeah. Let's click on washing bag because it's actually a hyperlink. Oh, good. All right. What is Let's that? See. Let's see. Guppy friend. Accept all the cookies. Why not? <laughs> I like cookies. All right. Uh Guppy Friend. Bag? Look at that. There's that I must be a washing like. bag. So let's see. Stop microplastics. Uh let's see here. So it's actually Stop. designed to do that. That's interesting. Raise awareness. Da, 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 da. How does it work? Let's see. The problem starts in your laundry. An alarming number of tiny fibers from synthetic fabrics are making their way from the washing machine into nature. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So how does it work? Um, Just buy this product and we're not going to tell you. It's It somehow stops the microplastic fibers from getting into the ocean, I guess, or something. Yeah, I, I guess how often do you have to clean it? And then where does it go once you clean it? Out into the ocean. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be cynical here as well, but <laughs> I got questions about that. Um, yeah, okay. All right, well, let's go Whatever. Okay. drying of clothes. They say air dry it rather than a tumble dryer because that also increases production of microfibers. Dust and vacuum with a HEPA filter uh, to reduce the accumulation of microplastics found in households. Most Buy new uh, vacuums, I think, do have those HEPA, HEPA filters, filters into them. Yeah. yeah. Buy plastic-free cosmetics. For and personal care product, it's amazing. Why would anybody put plastic? Why is in the, the yeah, themselves, right? But they <laughs> well, do plastic. Dude, plastics, plastic is in everything. If it's not Botox, it they fill in the wrinkles with plastic microbeads. There you go. Now, this is interesting. I thought tea bags were made of paper or, or fiber, right? This is saying um, that they're made with plastic too. Many tea bags contain plastic. Well, yes. Now, think about it. Uh, it's been a while since I've I've used a tea bag. Yeah. But they have to be really durable because you know mm. you put the tea bag in sometimes you'll stir something like that if it's made out of something that isn't really durable then it's going to yeah. open up and disintegrate and uh -huh. all the tea is going to get so, so they, they probably make it out of some kind of nylon, polyethylene, terephthalates. Wow. Yeah, so go. be careful about the kind of tea bags you use y'all. Uh and um you know, oh it says that many are made from genetically modified organism plastics. Oh, that's lovely. Not silk. Interesting. What is a G uh, GMO you, plastic? You can genetically modify plastic? Well, as we were talking about adding microbes to plastic to help it break down, so I guess so. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So you can do all of these things here to try and minimize. It's probably a good idea. But, you know, yeah. we talk, we've talked about making the change from uh, 
you know, eating the standard American diet to organic. Yeah. That's a process. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to be even more complicated, but probably just as important, I would say, as it would be cleaning up your diet. As we learn more and more about what's going on with, with these plastics, that, that's huge. Changing the clothes that you wear, changing the, the, the way you do your laundry, changing the, you know, I mean, it's, that those are a lot of lifestyle changes that you have to make. It's not easy. And it's probably no. going to, co- again, cost you more money to do. It's going to be more expensive to do. There's a high do. cost to convenience that's not the dollars and cents you think you're saving because it's so cheap is right. the point. The well, and like and like you've said with with uh, spending more to eat organic, right? Have you priced Cancer. have you priced autoimmune disorder lately? Autoimmune disorders, yeah. Right. It's not equivalent. But we are programmed in the West to not believe that any of the stuff that uh, those natural crunchy people say about going organic matters. It's just more expensive and on and on it goes. But I think many of you have figured it out. That's why you're here. Even Super Don has now figured it out. That's why he's doing what he's doing because he's a practical, pragmatic guy. He's not going to do it if it's not going to do something for him, right? So there sure. you go. You're learning and you're, you're growing and we all are. So, all right, um, real quick, before we yeah. go to the next story, we do have mm-hmm. a question here. Let's, let's see if we can oh, throw okay, this in yeah. just to break things up. This is up from here. Char. Water retention problems in my feet. What can I do? I'm using apple cider vinegar, lemon juice, cardio miracle, and copper, and compression socks. Watching salt intake suggestions. Well, yeah, if 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 you do sodium, as they call it, salt, make sure it's something like the real salt, something that has the 74 to 84 trace elements, not just sodium and chloride, because um, when you have all of those minerals present, it's not going to create water retention like just sodium chloride or iodized salt would do. Uh, this is something to consider as well, but lymphatic help, liver help, liver help primary, uh, dandelion tea, uh, taraxicum is a homeopathic. These are things that help because if the liver is congested, the kidneys are going to suffer. And when the kidneys suffer, there's going to be water retention issues, the imbalance, uh, the sodium pump, all of that that can happen. So I would say, um, of course, movement, you know, whether it be vigorous walking or the personal little bouncers or trampolines can help to move the lymph, lymphatic massage, et cetera. Uh, but compression socks is sort of like a Band-Aid over it. You, you, you might need it to stop the pooling. But the question is, why is that happening? <clears throat> what else does the vasculature need, right? We've talked cardio miracle. You're already doing copper. You're doing selenium would be critical because selenium is important for all liver function, detox functions, as well as, remember, we talked about the integrity of the vascular system, the venous system, that's selenium and copper together. So make sure you're taking additional selenium in this case, Char. That would be very helpful, preferably the 100% whole food selenium we get from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com, not a synthetic isolate or a synthetic amino acid chelate necessarily, which is not very efficient and can bioaccumulate unnecessarily. Have wow. you been able to identify mm-hmm. the the root cause of the water retention? Because well, and that's what we're talking about. Usually, they focus on kidney health, but they don't yeah. go back to the livers. That's what I'm talking about. So, right. what can we do? And in fact, Shar, if you're not already a, a, a member of our Patreon community, consider joining us. As little as four ninety nine a month, and and when we do our Zoom AMAs, these are the kind of questions we get to explore. I get to explore way more in depth. And there's a lot of brilliant, bright folks that are part of our community that have perspectives and angles and have been through these things and help one another out. 
which is really cool. That's so much fun. That kind of happened organically instead of all the questions for you, Robert. No, it's really amazing how all of these things are bounced around and everybody's helping everyone. So Shar, that's a real wonderful way, very simple way that you can tap into a larger body of knowledge of people who've been down there, that been that road, been there, done that kind of thing, and can help you even further beyond what I can share with you right now. So Shar, thank you for asking that question. Uh, let's see. The other question of microplastics, now we get into pesticides. And there's a first-of-its-kind study find uh, uh, this unknown. Have you ever heard of chlormaquat? Chlormaquat? <laughs> no, I have not. Paraquat, I've heard. Yeah, paraquat, we've all heard about, so it's probably related. But It's, it's a different quat. Chlormaquat yes. found, was found in 80% of the people <laughs> tested. Yay, something, we, something new, right? right? As if there wasn't enough. Apparently, the there's this pesticide. Working group in the Journal of Exposure Science and Environmental Epidemiology, they found these ex examined in the U.S. the levels of this uh, levels of this chemical, um, and it, they say the ubiquity of this little studied pesticide in people raises alarm bells about how it could potentially cause harm without anyone even knowing they've consumed it, and, and that's the point. You know, how many people that don't yet eat organic have any idea that well? They don't think pesticides are a problem, but they don't even know they're bioaccumulating, much less the ones that you didn't think were even out there or never heard of like this. Now, the EPA apparently doesn't currently allow chlormaquat use on any food crops. In 2018, the Trump administration, their EPA, approved its use on imported oats and two years later increased the allowable level on food from 10 parts per million to 30. I don't know who Why? lobbied the Trump administration Why is for the that. question, yeah, right? Why? Exactly. Who sent money in and they were like, yeah, let it go. Uh, Trump, he, he does some good things. He does some bad things. Like I said, we call it like we see it. We're not sycophants and we're not deranged lunatics that hate everything because the man's named Trump. I, I don't think that's a, a very good way to go through life. That's just my opinion. You might have a different one there. But uh, previous research found it on 92% of oat-based foods, including <clears throat> Quaker oats and Cheerios. And there are organic versions of oats out there made by, yeah, maybe even the Quaker company or and Cheerios, there are organic mm -hmm. versions that will, should not have this or glyphosate, which is on the oats that are not organic because they're desiccated right. and dried for harvest um, by that. So you add glyphosate to chlormaquat and you wonder why kids and adults are having all kinds of problems in addition to the well, microplastics. If we go back up here and, and we look at the second paragraph here, mm -hmm. in animal studies, they found that it negatively impacts reproduction, post-birth health, mm -hmm. and impairs proper weight and bone development. How about that? Yet, yeah, let's yeah. use it. And not only that, but apparently it looks like here in April of last year, the company that manufactures this chlormaquat has been trying to lobby the EPA to allow the chemical on its U.S. on the uh, barley, oats, and wheat. Yeah, uh, grown here in the U.S. We well, really of course need to go they, they make it. They want to sell it, right? Yeah, they have a product to sell, it. and they 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 capture the agencies. They they send money to folks that they know that they can buy, and and those people may may or may not know of the dangers. Some do, and they do it anyway. Those are scumbags. Others are ignorant of it. You can give them a little bit of a pass, but. Uh, still, do we really need to go backwards and add more toxic poisons to our food supply? Or have we so had enough yet? The uh, the answer to this here? Mm -hmm. Eat organic. Yeah, go organic. If you're eating organic, you don't have to worry about this stuff. Far less exposure, even if you would argue some of you would say, well, there's still something, nothing's ever pure to clean. Like, 
shut up. Yes, I know that. The planet has been contaminated by the arrogance and ignorance of man, but every step in the right direction will pay you back a thousandfold. I'm a living example of that. Many others are. And so, it, yeah, it's very easy to go, why bother? It's all fake. Everybody's lying to us. And, you know, you're living on an earth that you can walk to the end of and fall off. Okay. Sorry to upset anybody out there with that <laughs> statement. A new obelisk life form. It is, sounds like you're, 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 uh, you're saying that the earth is flat. Did I say that? Well, what did no, you just say? You can I, walk, walk I, to the edge of the earth and fall off? I Are just, you a flat earther now? No, I just pointed that out in a very offensive manner that the people that believe that eating organic doesn't matter, you know, because every, everything's a lie. Everything's a deception. Okay. And listen, I know there are people that believe in the firmament, as they call it, uh, uh, whether it's considered flat or something else, that are not also arguing that it doesn't matter what you eat. So I'm not putting everybody in that category, but I'm just saying when people get it to the point where they think everything's a lie, then they do give up. And that's part of the game we talked about with Jonathan about the cynicism, which is, you know, a bit earned with our Democrat and Republican representatives and senators and presidents uh, that they get us to a point where we don't care because nothing matters anyway. And we don't do anything. What Eat, do drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Yeah. So uh, I don't have a lot of time to go into this. Maybe we'll do this more in the uh, bonus round, but this headline in Popular Mechanics, a strange microscopic structure may whisper ancient evolutionary secrets. They call it a new obelisk life form. Um, and they're trying to say it's like viruses, but smaller than viruses. It doesn't do what viruses do. I'm telling you, the common perception of what viruses are, what they do, is pretty much wrong, and will one right. day look But they're not go, saying it's a virus, are no, they? No, they're not, but they're referencing yeah. it as something the smaller size. than, it's got RNA, it's not able to do, you know, but again, they never catch these things in the act of doing anything, so they're all speculating on it because they have a, a belief system about viruses that is wrong. Mm. So we'll pause on that, and we'll come back to it maybe if you want to talk about it in the bonus round. The links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You can call us and leave a message at 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. And you can be part of our newsletter subscription base for free by texting my initials RSB to the number 66866, double six eight six six. Be part of the newsletter. Get up to date on uh, all the deals that are happening out there, the news information, links to shows, different things. And please consider becoming a patron. Our next AMA on Zoom is Saturday, February 24th, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'd like to see you there. Shar, you too, if you're not already there, uh, we can talk about uh, water retention issues in more depth. So with that, if you want to be able to walk through walls, you might be one of these. And that is the homeopathic hit of the day. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Now, this remedy is interesting. It's more than what it is. I, I say that because... It's a constitutional type. And when I do these homeopathic hits, I really don't go into the constitutional types. It's a very, it's a somewhat deeper dive complexity, but it's very helpful if you really go into homeopathy to recognize body types and constitutions, because it can lead you to choose remedies that are more universal for individuals, despite symptom picture. It's interesting. Okay. So let's go into this. It's Burita Carbonica. And I'll talk a little bit about this Burita Carbonica. 
And it's a remedy often used for developmental and cognitive challenges, but it's it's way more than that. It's one of those that has so many uses. And uh, it's, um, you know, particularly if you got children and the elderly, there's some indications for its use there. So let's hit some of that. Now, what is the origin of Burrito Carbonica? It's in this PDF, Super Don helped develop there. And you can watch it live on the air with us now or later on the uh uh, I guess through our, our Patreon support group, Super Don makes these segments available. Otherwise, the PDF is always going to be there. Today's the day we're airing it first, uh, February 15th, 2024. Burrito Carbonica is made from barium carbonate. Barium carbonate. Compound, there, there it is, a little white powder. Uh, barium is a, is a kind of a radioactive element they use for, um, you know, throwing it into the bowel and, and doing detection technologies, x-ray technologies to witness what's going on in the bowel, barium, but barium carbonica. Uh, it's a compound used in homeopathy to address a range of conditions, including delayed development in children. We talked a little bit about lead. Maybe this could be an option for that. Cognitive issues in the elderly, physical ailments like enlarged tonsils and glandular swellings. So as we go into key characteristics, I, I, you know, I had to work hard to just bear down on this one because there's so much and there's a lot more than I normally cover in a homeopathic kit, but Burrito Carbonica, known for its effectiveness in treating conditions like enlarged tonsils, recurrent throat infections, glandular swellings, also indicated for individuals who are prone to catching colds easily, especially when there's a lack of physical and mental development, cold, clammy, yet sweaty feet, also indicated for some cardiac, vascular, and blood pressure issues, and even abdominal distension. And that doesn't cover everything Burrito Carbonica can do. So it's a big remedy. And we'll talk about the big people that are Burrito Carbonica typology, type body types. Mentally, key, key mental symptoms include difficulty concentrating, memory problems, shyness, or social withdrawal, particularly indicated for children with developmental delays and elderly individuals with cognitive decline. So there's a lot of that going on. So we'll just go into some primary uses. Again, not comprehensive in the short time we have here, but developmental delays. Uh, physical or mental developmental delays, stimulating growth, cognitive function, cognitive challenges in the elderly. So think about dementia issues, memory issues. I don't know if there'd be enough burrito carbonica on planet Earth to help Biden at this point, but hey, maybe. Glandular and throat issues, uh, physical conditions like enlarged tonsils. Rather than have them removed, think burrito carbonica, recurrent throat infections, and other glandular swellings. As we continue down the PDF, uh, let's go look at the potencies. If you have any of these symptoms, but they're mild, not too severe, hit them in a low potency regularly, 10X, 12X, 30X, 30C, whatever. Hit them, hit them again, and just monitor, monitor your symptoms and see the shift and changes. If you're going to a deep-seated issue, going to the high potencies, 200C, uh, 1Ms and beyond, please consult a homeopathic uh, healthcare provider of some kind that can guide you to the selection and, and appropriate use. Complementary remedies. Here's another area. Boy, there's a lot of options that we could have here, but we'll just go with these three for now. Car, uh, calcarea carbonica. And we do burrito carbonica, calcarea carbonica. Uh, and this is uh, often uh, used for developmental issues, especially when there's a physical growth delay. And phosphorus. You've heard me say phosphorus, the remedy for fever and inflammation systemically, but also for cognitive and memory issues, complementing burrito carbonica's action in the elderly in particular. And we covered this yesterday, Orum Metallicum. I would call that an additional assist for cognitive and developmental challenges. When we talked about IQ and other things like that, pretty cool. Now, in its homeopathic form, of course, Burrita Carbonica, barium is safe in its homeopathic form. 
it's uh, advisable to seek help if you've got a really deep-seated chronic issue. But, you know, this is uh, you're not going to hurt yourself taking it, but you might not succeed as well if you don't have the help you might need there. So as we conclude, our homeopathic hit of the day, Burrito Carbonica, valuable homeopathic remedy, as they all are in their right form and right uh, uh, utilization, particularly effective for treating developmental cognitive challenges in children and the elderly, as well as for specific physical ailments like enlarged tonsils, glandular issues, and more. And remember, it's not to replace a doctor if you have or want one, but to give you information and education so you can make fully informed decisions about the care for yourself, your elders, your children, etc. And when we come back on the bonus round, I'll tell you why the Burrito Carbonica type can walk through walls and seemingly come away unaffected. What does that mean? How do you identify them? That'll be a little bonus homeopathic information and more in the bonus round. If you have questions or comments, submit them now for those of you watching live or later. We'll catch them in a future show because the power to heal is still yours. <laughs> yeah, the sound effect. Is that you do that? I, I did not use a sound effect. That was from the actual video. Oh. Yeah, I didn't have pretty, to. Pretty impressive. Right. The sheeple in the bonus round. Yes. So, Burrito Carbonica. Okay. This is the body type. You know, they, they don't have to be like massively large in, in terms of tall, but they have a very big presence. They often can be overweight and shaped a little bit. And on the men I'm talking about, the pear-shaped man uh, uh, that has a little bit more around the waist. But, you know, they, they tend to be able to eat anything. They're like, ah, oh, I got the iron constitution. I can say whatever. And, and they never seem to break down unless it's an accident, like a heart attack that ends them, Right. But they seemingly, other than that, they can withstand like nuclear attack. There are people like that. And you, you can recognize them either by the fact that you watch them and witness them and they're like, nothing touches them. Or, you know, they have, a, again, a body. And women could be burrito carbonicas as well. And so when you select the, the, the remedy burrito carbonica for a burrito carbonica type, it tends to just strengthen their constitution in a general way. You know, despite all of the little things and nuances that we hit in the, in the homeopathic hit, it may or may not be present in those people at that moment, but the, the, the remedy matches them very well. And that's the, the idea of constitutional typology in homeopathy. And there are various views on that. Uh, the way I learned it clinically, uh, it, it can be very helpful in selection of remedies. There are, we mentioned phosphorus as another remedy. There are phosphorus people and they tend to be leaner. And they may not be tall, but they could be taller and longer. They'll have longer arms. Their fingers may be longer, like more slender. Uh, and even if they're not taller, they'll appear taller because of their slender build and their longer arms and long, for instance, fingers. So that could be a phosphorus type. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the body types, not so much about them, but the, the symptom pictures of phosphorus, it may or may not match up perfectly, but you'll see the body type description meets the phosphorus. And when they get phosphorus homeopathically, like it generally helps and strengthens their overall constitution. So that's just a little bonus extra homeopathic hit today in the bonus round, whether you wanted it or not. I just burrito carbonica. stimulated. Oh, that's interesting. That. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. little bit I extra. I did not so, know that. Other than that, uh, I don't know if you guys want to talk about obelisks in the body. Uh, it sounds to me like a coast to coast AM thing. And speaking of coast to coast, <laughs> wasn't that cool? What Ann told me there was a bigger response about the monocore 
thing, the monocoreusa.com. Remember we talked, uh, we had her on twice to give a little bit more detail on it because people were so in- interested as am I, and we're getting one shipped in and we'll get you some reports on it as we begin to use as well. But she said, we, we, more people re- responded from our show, our little show, super Don. Yes. To, to learn about and to get this thing, than the millions of people that supposedly watch coast to coast, that's pretty cool. That is, that's pretty amazing. Really? Yeah. I when wouldn't. Guys, I wouldn't believe it if she hadn't said it. So. I know. Well, I mean, it's not what what our first thought is. It's like we know we have a, a loyal audience. We don't know the numbers because it's hard to track it anymore. But when you guys respond to something that hits resonates with you, we know you're there. And uh, I would just say thank you. Uh, it'd be nice to hear from you once in a while beyond those times. I would like that. Some of you do, so I'm not talking about you. But anybody else that's been quiet going, I don't want anybody to know. I listen to the Robert Scabell show. Well, you can send in messages anonymously or ask us to not mention your name. We'll do that too. But it'd be lovely to hear from you. Even better if you want to participate at the next AMA, Zoom AMA, so become a patron supporter. But that was cool to learn that. You know, every once in a while we're like, is anybody out there? They're out there. Super Don, they're out there. They're here with us now or later. It's like... uh Aliens, right? They're like aliens. Yes, they're out there. The truth is out there. That was X X Files, right? X Files out there. Yes. Mm. But if you listen to Anne and read her book, Inner Guidance, you'd say the truth is in there or in here. Mm-hmm. That's what. It's not. It's not. Yes. You know, not a Twilight Zone thing. I think no. the obelisk no. story is more Twilight Zoney to me. It's well. It's I, interesting. I no. mean, well, I don't know. I'm more fascinated. I don't look at it as Twilight Zone. Okay. Listen, we find out all the time. It's it's really one of the the ongoing themes of this show. Really, mm-hmm. is how little the uh, science and the medical industry actually knows, mm-hmm. and that there's stuff out there that they just they have not discovered that they don't realize. It's an ongoing thing, right? Science. It's it's constantly uh, changing. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to anyway. It's not written in stone. And so they apparently these these guys there's this preprint uh, study that was done, and uh, it's, it's from Stanford, and they they said they have discovered these itsy bitsy life forms, and they they say they uh, call them viroid like, which apparently a viroid is a step down from a virus. Yeah, it's a step and up from hemorrhoid. Stuff, people are yelling at me right now. They don't exist. Okay. Viroids and hemorrhoids. What do they have in common? Yes. Preparation H <laughs> takes care of them. Yeah. I don't know. Feels good on the whole. It's a, <laughs> I have to rewatch that. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. That was what from uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it says here, while the virus needs a host to allow to replicate, mm-hmm. uh, that hasn't uh, showed them down. Uh, they, they say they've lost count of just how many viruses the world has to offer because they're so plentiful. But a viroid is even more simplistic it's a scrap of genetic RNA that cannot make proteins but can regroup mm-hmm. and has been known to plague flowering plants. Hmm. But apparently these things are, are in us as well. And they call it an obelisk because the, of the shape of it. Yeah. And they don't know what it does. They know that it can communicate with cells, but they don't know what its purpose is. Hmm. So I, I think it's kind of fascinating now, you can go with wherever you want to with it. Some people will be like, oh, it's nothing. They're just making it up. You know, it's, it's, and I know that you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, when it comes to looking at these things, this is this has got to be one of those things where they're going to be. I mean, drilling down is you know w- yeah. with a microscope to a, a level that you know we just is hard to even wrap your head around and yeah. finding these little things. And I know that you have said in the past that um, they will see things and they'll just interpret what it is, but it's not really what they say it is. Well, yeah, they they ascribe a lot of supervillain properties to things they'll take pictures of on transmission electron microscopes and claim there's something that they're not proven that they are. In fact, there's a lot of scandals well, about those things. And, uh, and and listen, I mean, if you've ever looked at some of these pictures when somebody will take just like an ordinary item that mm-hmm. we just have around yeah, and they'll put it under a microscope and just go really, you know, really eventually it becomes something that looks freaky and weird and scary. Yeah. It's like, Mm -hmm. what is this? Because you get down that far, things just, you don't recognize anything. And so, you know, I look at this and I go, Ooh, an obelisk life form living inside humans. It's a great headline. headline. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like Ant-Man, right? Going down to the subatomic level. We're going to subatomic. There's a whole lot. (laughs) That goes beyond physical reality. And that's the hard thing, you know, when we look at physics and quantum physics, trying to explain a lot of these things and look at as, as much of a skeptic that you are super D. I mean, you don't just, you know, automatically believe things because everybody says, Hey, this is a, and, and that's a good thing at the same but time. But I don't automatically dismiss them. Exactly. Yeah. You go, yeah. all right, there are things we don't necessarily know or understand or can explain yet, maybe ever. And when it comes to, for instance, um, spiritual issues where you, you cross over from the, you know, when you get into the quantum description, you get down deep enough, you go, uh, this kind of crosses over into spirituality at this point. And when physicists and quantum physicists say, the only thing that explains the universe is love. You know, you've heard that. I'm not the first to say that at all. Won't be the last. Yeah. So you get to the point where you, you run out of the technology to validate what they call science or scientific methodology to prove these things. Yet there have been advances. I mean, when we talk about homeopathy, you know, we talk about serial dilution and succussion, dilute, succuss, shake, dilute, succuss. And, and then you go beyond the number of Avogadro. Technically, mathematically, they say there's no original molecule that exists from the original substance. You know, take a substance like gold, which is hard to break down, or things that are easier to break down. And if you keep diluting it, the, 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 the Avogadro number basically is the number where they say, all right, you dilute beyond that, there's nothing left. Yet, Technology has allowed us to see what they call nanoparticles that may still exist of the original substance beyond that point. So the mathematical theory is it shouldn't exist, yet it does. It just now we've gotten to a point where we can measure, identify it. Now, the argument is, does it, will it have an effect at all? Because there's so little of it. But yet we've seen evidence more growing, growing more and more and more strongly in pharmacology, whether it be considered nanopharmacology or uh, micro dosing, right? Low dose administration where normally the effect is impacted because the more you give, the more, the more powerful, the better it is. And now we're finding even at micro dose levels of whether they be medications, whether they be herbs or other things that it has a profound effect, especially when we talk, talk about the psychedelics or the uh, mind altering, you know, the mushrooms, for instance, people want to trip on a mushroom. They take a, a significant amount, but at micro dose levels, they're not tripping, but they're having significant shifts in the way they perceive the world, depression, lifting, things like that. So uh, there's a lot yet to be explained about how that is happening, except that 
there's a lot more than to life than what we can actually see, even with the technology we're gaining the ability to see deeper and deeper into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, uh, aside from Ant-Man being a, a very entertaining movie. Yes. Um, you know, quant quantum mechanics, quantum physics, uh, you know, I mean, it's a real thing. Yes. Do we have, do we, uh, have we gotten to the point where we can look into something like what they called on them in the movie, the quantum realm? Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't, we don't have that type of technology yet, but does it make some sense? I mean, can you look at it and, and in theory and, and go, you know, uh, when they discover something like this obelisk, yeah, you know, that's, that's smaller than, a, than what would be a virus. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but because you know, we, we only know what we know because we have the ability to, you know, our, our ability to be able to go uh, stops at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, we can only go so far. Well, how far so, can the physical mind take us? And is there anything beyond it? Right. Then, then it gets you get into philosophical and spiritual questions of reality. That's an interesting question. Yeah, and that mm -hmm. question actually applies to all kinds of you can you can apply that question to all kinds of things. Life. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, is there life after death? You know, what is that? You know, uh, in in my mind, mm -hmm. as I think about, you know, when you go down to, you know, an, a, an atomic level, right? Um, does Is there like a point? Does it make sense that it, uh, when you get down and you look as far as you can with a microscope, as far as our technology goes, does that mean that that's where it ends? Yeah, right. Right? It, you know, it's like, it oh, well... Does it you just know, begin there? Or, yeah, who knows? Right. It, it would make sense that, you know, I mean, let's think about this for a second. What is the smallest known particle that, that, that we've, we've, we've discovered? What is like uh, the smallest thing? I'm not a quantum physicist. I remember terms like quarks, things like that. Right. right? Going below so the it's atomic like, level. It, it's like, you know, does it make sense to say, okay, well, that, that's the end. That's the end of the road right there. That's, that's, that's the, mm. the, the, the main going? building block. Well, wait a minute. What's that made out of? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's got to be made out of something. Sure. Right. And if all matter is actually energy, okay, where does that lead? I mean, does it come? Does it does it come to a get to a point where that is like the next level? It like gets down mm -hmm. and then and an energy is then what mm -hmm. it kind of it then then and goes science, into. Can science ever validate your direct experience of the divine? Right. Talk about spiritual experiences. People who have gone across the veil, who have died and come back, near-death experiences, or as they now call them, STE, spiritually transformative experiences. Or is that just synapses and chemicals in your brain? Well, again, the, the reductionists argue that all the time. I saw a comedian, a little brief thing about a comedian making fun. I don't know if he's making fun of atheists, but it was sort of like the argument of, so you believe that nothing created the universe. Yes. Not God. No, 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 nothing. So when you die, you go back to nothing. Yeah. Well, you go back to meet your creator then. Wait, 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 what? You know, it's like one of those things like language doesn't do justice to the concept of going, nothing created all of this. I'm going back to nothing, but nothing created it. So nothing is your creator. That's also a religious belief. <laughs> Can you prove it that nothing created the universe any more than you can prove God created it other than, you know, again, strong beliefs 
experiences bringing back that, you know, you, you could try to convince others of it, but some people are like, I'm not convinced. I need to see a study, a double blind placebo controlled, whatever reductionist study. I, regardless, I, I don't need to see a study. I just need it to make sense. You know, that's um, it. That, that's it. It just needs, you know, it just needs to make sense. Yeah. And that's a tough one. That's a tough one that rolls around in my brain quite a bit as I've gotten older. Yeah. Where, you know, it's like, as, as I know that time is, is, is getting closer, uh, you know, it's at some point, you know, what, what happens, what happens? Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't used to care when I was young. Right. Sure. Well, now you start thinking a, about that stuff and you're just like, it's been a part of, my, how do I hedge my bets here? You know? Right. It's been a part of my <laughs> experience since I was little. You know, and I talked about, you know, leaving my body, dying, whatever it was temporarily, having my NDE coming back, only validated or confirmed my suspicions or my thoughts or my like, I think it's this, right? And as I have for many times, many times over the years, I've mentioned this, I don't say it to convince anybody of any reality that they don't want to accept or experience, whatever. But for me, and you've said this too, you kind of, I don't know if envy is the right word, but people that are very comfortable with the existence and and the end of the existence in a physical realm, right? Because they have a very strong sense of, yeah, this is not it. In fact, it's pretty awesome and even better. The worst thing happens, you lose your body, yeah. which is not something I'm encouraging people to do. But and it's very hard for me to have a good attitude about that. Yeah. It is because there are people that mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, I know this, you know, whatever, you know, when mm-hmm. time's up, it's up and, right. and I'm going to go do this or this is going to happen or whatever like that. And I'm just yeah. like, I just want, I just want to like grab him and be like, yeah, how do you, what do, what do you mean? You know, this is, you can't know. Yeah, I know. I just know. Well, like, shut up. Super D. I plan. How do you know? You don't know. You know, plenty of seeds for you to experience these things through your own volition and practice. Like oh, I've talked I about physical just, exercise, exercising all your bodies, including the spiritual exercises that you can yeah. do to open up, you know, like say consciousness, energy centers, flows, et cetera, communication. And it's not for some they're born and they're like, they have it. I get it. It happens. It's just like anything. I hate those people. Some people. I know. Some people are born <laughs> and they're like playing piano, like Beethoven or Bach, whatever. Yeah. Others have to work their aspirins off for it. And for the most part, most of us have to really, engage in just like a physical uh, achievement, right? You want to be good at something, you practice it, you physically exercise it, you become good at it, but not the first time or the 10th time or the 100th time, but the millionth time, whatever. And so the practice of the spiritual exercises, however you perceive them to be, as I mentioned, and Ann mentions the hue, and it's for everybody. It's not owned by any religion. But it's something you can incorporate into a daily ritual. Yes, a ritual, like an exercise, to open yourself up to communication of a divine nature. You can do it, you know, if you have a Christian bent in that way, you can do it as a Buddhist bent. You, there's a lot of ways to do that. And that's the point of it takes effort until it doesn't. When you become so good at it, you're like, oh, it's effortless effort. Because you're, you know, like a, a someone who's practiced 10,000 hours at something, suddenly they look like they're doing magic but you didn't see all the 10,000 hours of practice to get that good at it. So I'm just 
encouraging everybody that's listening, including you, Super D, to consider practicing something if you want to learn more about it, not because of what I'm telling you, and I'm not even telling you what to believe, but just to have an experience or series of experiences that open you up to other possibilities. That sound pretty daunting and intimidating? Because I'm not trying to do that. Daunt no. or intimidate? No, it's not daunting. <laughs> yeah. Or intimidating. Um. All right, so coming up tomorrow. Yeah. We have Danielle Baker coming back on the show, and apparently I guess uh, her attorney is going to be with her on the show tomorrow. I got a message from Kevin. Mm -hmm. So we'll have the two of them on tomorrow. And then uh, in hour two, we will uh, be uh, excited to learn that we will not have Michael Bolden tomorrow. Are we excited to learn that? No. Or were, we, were we upset? We're upset about that. Sorry. I was going to save him a piece of pie and everything, but no. Uh -uh, he's just like not going to show up. No explanation, nothing. Won't call. No, he gave we, us an explanation. We've been jilted. Oh, we, we got an explanation? Yeah. I don't think I remember getting it, but okay. He's he's busy. Okay. So. All right. I guess it'll just be you and me unless we, I mean, we can get a surprise guest on or something. Yeah, we'll see what happens for tomorrow. So if you guys have it. And then remember, Sunday's conversations with uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits. And it was uh, conducted at the AHS, the Autism Health Summit in San Antonio. For those of you who are patron supporters, it's already available to you. And so that's a little bit of the sneak stuff you get first before anybody else. So thank you for everybody that does that. You really help us out. And again, we are so close to revealing. Have you heard from Geech lately? We're, I, we got to be pretty close to revealing the new website soon. I uh, have not. Not recently. It's okay. been maybe a week. Or so. Okay. So we will let you know. Mm -hmm. when, when, well, actually, I guess you'll just know when you go to the robertscottbell.com and suddenly just you're just like, like, what okay. is that? How cool wow. is that? So thank you for everything y'all are doing to help us get there. All right. So I got nothing. Oh, Marge, Marge was there for a minute. Okay. Over on... Um, she grew up with lead pipes in Detroit. Mm -hmm. um, Flint, well, Flint is in Michigan. But yep. I, you know, yeah. I mean, Detroit. I'm sure Detroit has uh, has lead pipes too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Did my internet stabilize? By the way, over the time. Ish. Ish. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be better tomorrow. Yeah. But as long as you could hear me, that's what, that's what's critical. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that's what I got. So back tomorrow, Danielle Baker and the news of the day. All right. Thanks for being here, y'all. See you tomorrow. God willing. All right. Talk to you later.